0: Planes, Trains, and Automobile Days, the podcast where we travel the highways and byways of the 1987 Thanksgiving classic Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, one flaming on the side of the road day at a time. I'm your host, Sean, and with me as always... Brian, his brother. <laughs> oh, and we've got two great guests with us today. Listener, you're in for a treat. Uh, first we have from Open the Podcast Doors How. It's Chris Frame.
1: Hello, everyone. You know, the last thing I want to be remembered as is an annoying blabbermouth. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is podcasting. Annoying blabbermouth. This is our bread and butter here. It's an so, asset. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, also, a very, very, very special guest, my good friend and yours from Five Minutes of Mystery and Discussions with Dave and a little thing that we like to call Groundhog Minute. It's Dave Pallas. I am so happy to be
2: here. Thank you for having me on, Sean. This is this is a real treat.
0: Yes, yes, this is this is this is quite a treat. This is a real treat. Um, yeah, so 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 welcome, welcome back, listeners, and, and welcome Chris and Dave. Uh, we've brought you here to talk about the third and final day of the greatest Thanksgiving movie ever made: Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. And we are into uh, our our automobiles phase of the movie. And uh, just a quick recap for the folks. If uh, for some reason you're jumping in at day three and you haven't been with us so far, um, what we did is we we all come from the world of movie-by-minute podcasting. Uh, We took the idea from Pete the Retailer and Comic Book Alex over at Star Wars Minute, where they cover the Star Wars movies one minute at a time. And um, we took a look at it and said, you know what? Movies have a lot of minutes. Maybe we could just do it by day. That'd <laughs> be a lot <laughs> fewer episodes. So uh, that's what we're doing. We're, we've, we've, we found a movie, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, just happens to be the greatest Thanksgiving movie ever made and it just happens to happen over the course of three days. And so we are covering it in three episodes. On day number three, we, we pick up, it's actually uh, sort of the, the late afternoon or evening of day two where we pick up our action. It's uh, we see Neil and Dave drive off and their luck runs hot and cold. And then maybe just maybe at the end, they'll make it back to Chicago. So starting off on, on day two, we're, we're still kind of as an audience, we're recovering from just an avalanche of profanity <laughs> that uh, our delicate ears have never heard before. But uh, gee, surprisingly... With that lovely bedside manner, Neil did not manage to secure (laughs) a replacement rental car. Uh, You know, turns out that if you curse out the person working at the desk, they're not going to be too uh, motivated to help you. So he storms out and is just as friendly to the guy working the cab stand. And so I think that brings us to one of the lessons of this movie is you know, you, you're you going to make more friends being nice than by cursing people out. Uh, and who's nicer than Del Griffith? No one.
2: <laughs> Man, I, I tell you, do not mess with a St. Louis uh, cab manager. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, I was, I was yeah. just surprised by the violence. Just like the punch. The, and also the grin. Like the grin that he... <laughs> was gonna watch a man's head pop from a car hitting him like he was excited for it wasn't like oh no people in broad daylight watched me push a man into oncoming traffic (laughs) to and watched him die and smile
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean so so you know one of the things we've talked about and one of the great things of this movie is you know the, the setup and the payoff there's so many things that Um, that John Hughes plants in the script that grow and blossom later on. So many things that pay off. Um, This is, you know, this is the one with like the most immediate payoff. We, you see that smile and you're like, wait a second. This guy was so, was so upset, was so gruff just 10 seconds ago. Why is he so happy right now? And it makes me wonder like, has he done this before? Like, how does he know that he can lift a person uh, you know oh boy. by this particular part of their anatomy
1: <laughs> oh he's done it before he's done it before yeah yeah the physics of the the groin lift uh, <laughs> I, I on a on a grown man I, I i don't understand how that could possibly work i don't want to know how that would work. <laughs> mm-hmm. um but uh but yeah he seems to enjoy it
2: they uh they mention uh there's two things I notice here. One is they do mention that a cop is there and brought so I'm guessing this man's arrested for assault. Like this man's flat out just arrested. So they said there's a guy, there's a police officer there. So I'm hoping there's a police officer saw him like, oh, you're just going to you're going to jail, man. We're just we're just locking you up. I saw you punch a guy, uh, push him into traffic, grab him by his sexually assaulted man. Like, like you're 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 out of here. Uh, second thing is is I remember, uh, I see those uh those uh those those uh, handles on the door. I know we saw them at work. That's all. Mm-hmm. Oh, I saw I saw that handle. That's it. That's oh, all. Yeah. I just saw those door handles. Sorry. It's, oh, those there. Uh, okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: sliding door handles. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And this is a, a, a great old car that kind of reminiscent of the uh the wagon from uh
1: the Family Truckster
0: National Lampoon's Vacation.
1: Yeah. I, my notes are it's got a Family Truckster vibe. To it. Yeah, yeah yeah the griswolds yeah the family truckster.
0: so uh but so we were on to uh well we've we've been off and on many different modes of transportation throughout the movie but it, it, in terms of our titular vehicles we're on to our automobile phase of the movie and into uh, the evening of the third day and uh neil is just driving down the road with with, with dell uh riding shotgun and this is uh Well, so uh, one thing I'll I'll just pull on and I'll get, you know, the first there'll be some questions. I probably should have warned you as as podcast guests that that you'll be put on the hot seat. Um, But so the first question of the day is, has this ever happened to you where you throw a cigarette out the car window and it blows back in or it blows in the, the rear window?
2: No, but I remember I remember I had a cold once and I hocked a loogie and it like hit me oh. right back in like on the neck. <laughs> and I was like, Oh like I feel even more sick now. That my own projectile just hit me
0: right back in the face. <laughs> yeah.
3: But I have tried to take a jacket off and that is hard.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's that's another thing, yeah. So I, I guess I kinda jumped ahead too far, but uh, Yeah, that's I and it's I think that's a young man's game. When I was younger, I used to be able to like one handed, I could reach behind and Mm -hmm. like grab my jacket by the back and pull it over my head and like in the same movement, get it off of one arm. And then once you, at that point, you could just shake it off the other arm and like do that while driving. I don't know if I have the flexibility.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that um, makes my shoulders hurt just thinking yeah. about trying to do that now.
2: I want to thank you for letting me watch this clip because I will remember next time I don't need to. I'm just going to pull into like a Dunkin' Donuts or a Wawa or a, or a gas station and just like yeah. just do Figure the change. Just pull over to the side. Just do the <laughs> yes. change. Because now I'm super anxious that I'm going to get caught on on a on a knob or a, le- a lever behind the seat and then I'm going to die now.
0: <laughs> yeah it, it it's it's probably something i should not have done but uh yeah. and i certainly i know i can't do it anymore i know like i i would pull a muscle or right. or a joint or something so uh in, in addition to end up driving the wrong way on the road
1: i i I've had i've had something similar happen to me it didn't involve a jacket however it did involve um getting the the uh, floor mat stuck under the like, I forget if it was the gas or the brake, and Ooh. I had to, while driving, figure out how to pull that out from under, you know, where it was interfering with, With I, I want to say it was laying on the gas or something like that, and it was actually causing me to speed up. So, I had to, like, keep my eyes on the road and dip down and pull that out. It was probably the most terrifying experience I've ever had driving. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. But it, but it's sort of watching this where he's trying to get the jacket off and it's you know stuck on there and he's trying to keep his eyes on the road and then the the result of all that I, I believe is the uh, what does he do like a seven twenty or a, a, a nine eighty or something like
3: that <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah across all those
1: like lanes that. of traffic. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it put me in that same spot of just dread and anxiety from that from what happened to me.
2: Yeah, I I uh, I had a water bottle I'd get stuck under my brake once. Oh. oh, that that's dangerous. Yeah. That I that is dangerous. And uh, I I'm trying. I think what I did was is I wasn't on a highway. I was on a, a surface street. So I just I moved into the uh into the into the shoulder off the lane. And I think I was able to like I used I had my right foot like on the brake, but my left foot was doing like a under the pedal sweep. <laughs> really and as soon true. as I kicked it, I was able to break past the bottle. Kind of a stop, put in park, and then just, like, take the bottle and, like, you know, then, like, put it in one of the cup holders. Be like, woo, babe, think I was only going, like, 30, and then, like, there's, like, no, there was, like, no <laughs> yeah. traffic. But, yeah, that's, like, a moment where you're like, I need a break. I just, I need a break, and I can't, because there's a water bottle jammed up. Mm. I don't see Dell as a smoker, but maybe it's more of an 80s thing. Like, I just...
0: Yeah, because he is he is smoking throughout the movie, and, they, and it's in... Uh, You know, in the hotel, they show him he's using, like, the beer can as an ashtray next to the bed. They show him smoking in restaurants. I
3: mean, it is an 80s thing also.
0: Yeah, and it's – I don't think he's smoking on the plane, but isn't he, like, smoking on the bus? Like, he's smoking Mm -hmm. in all these places that, like, you know, you can't – I mean, you can't smoke anywhere nowadays. So it's definitely – Age the movie in that respect.
2: I mean, I, I definitely think the reason is maybe it's, it's, another, it's a slight setup of, you know, a, of a personal history that we're going to find out later of why he picked up smoking, maybe as like a calming thing hmm. to kind of maybe distract yeah.
3: himself.
0: Yeah. 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 So, uh, either, right, is smoking, gonna...
2: it's either, I feel like it's either smoking or liquor and he chose smoking over it so he could he could still do his job. If right. you could smoke on the job selling selling uh, rings, you can't yeah. drink on the job trying to sell shower rings.
0: Shower curtain rings. Though, I mean, how sober do you need to be for in mean, the shower curtain? Rings. <laughs> but uh, that's uh, good. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on that and take that as an opportunity to segue to uh, to my second question. Um, and going on on the reason why Dell might have taken up smoking. Um, so could, there's sort of there's th- that twist at the end. Mm-hmm. The revelation mm-hmm. about uh, well Dell's wife. Mm-hmm. Um, if you remember, like the first time you saw the movie, did you did you see that coming? Was it a twist? Was it a surprise for for you guys? Uh, I mean, honestly, I, I
2: think it was. I no, I mean, yeah, it was definitely a twist. Like I was, yeah, you know, I did, I did not see it coming. Even when Steve Martin was figuring it out, I was like, well, what's that mean? Does that mean he's a workaholic? Does that mean that like he and his wife fought, or he's, like, divorced. or Like, I i mean, I never went to, like, you know, Duh. Mm-hmm. but, um...
0: The dark place, yeah.
2: Yeah, but I was thinking that maybe he, yeah, I thought it was like he was just a, a workaholic, or he, you know... When you say I haven't been home in years, I thought it was, like, um... We call it, like, a euphemism or something. Yeah, it's just yeah. to say it. Like, oh, it's, he kinda, he- it's been centuries since I've XYZ, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, well, how
0: about you, Chris? What did you think of that?
1: Um, so here's... Uh, my story with this film, which is I only saw it for the first time maybe two or three years ago. Ah, same, yeah. same. And I remember back in when it came out, uh, someone telling me, "Oh yeah, that's a really funny movie, but it's really sad at the end." And mm-hmm. for some reason, that always stuck with me. And then when I watched it a couple of years ago, I'm, I'm like watching it. And here we go. Here we go. And all these different events are, you know the. Scenes are happening in the film. And I'm like, yeah, I don't really know where the sadness is coming. And then, you know, that, that scene at the end, which I have a few more notes on, we'll get to it later, but that, that was a gut punch for me. I'm a pretty sentimental guy as it is. And I, wow, I was, It was one of those, like, I had to leave the room for a second. And, uh, yeah, it's – I forget what the question was. But, yeah, I didn't see it coming (laughs) um, for sure. Um, Yeah, I think it's pretty hidden, I think. The
0: the Dead Wife. I mean, I'd I'd like to think now, you know, doing the Movie by Minutes podcast and kind of getting more into analyzing movies that uh, hopefully – I'd like to think that these days I pay more attention. I might pick up on the the clues throughout the movie. But certainly at the time – I had, yeah, I didn't see it coming at all. And it's a, uh, it's a very, it's, well, it's where the, the idea fourth Sixth Sense comes from. It's really, you know, this is just kind of the original. That's huh. Shyamalan, just a cheap <laughs> ripoff of yeah, what a John <laughs> there. there. Yeah,
2: not only, not only do I see this as a good, as a good setup for like the twist in the movie that makes you think, but cause I have, I have a lot of thoughts about that. Maybe I'll save it till when we get to the actual ending of the film. Mm-hmm. But um, I think this is probably the best road comedy, or a road trip kind mm. of film, or at least, I can't think of a film before Ooh. this that did the road trip comedy better, because like, when I was watching this, I was like, you know, this scene reminds me of what they did later in Dumb and Dumber, or what they did in Tommy Boy, and, you know, where the car yeah. is destroyed, or they go the mm. wrong way, Um like, that stuff is like, I remember seeing it in the 90s comedies, and I feel like it's those, or they're trying to do a, an homage to planes, trains, and automobiles, how two friends, or you know, two two guys who you know they're not on the best of terms are dealing with each other, and it's like the entire universe gets distilled down to two people moving from A to B. You know, that's essentially the, what the movie is, and then when you have those interesting, like in like yeah, like uh, I think of the the scene in Tommy Boy when like was that David Spade like hits him in the board in the face of the board, and they they go to the restaurant, and then he's got that big welt on his face, and <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and, and Chris yeah. Farley, which also once again another another great comedian that that sadly we lost. And he was like, you know, I don't feel anything here or here, but right here and like right where the big welt
0: is, <laughs> yeah, so there's yeah. little moments it's like, like oh, no, like, there's nothing there, yeah.
2: <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, that and then yeah, Dumb and Dumber would just like I, you know, when they, you know, when, in a minute we're gonna see them go the wrong way on the highway. Whereas in Dumb and Dumber, if they go like an entire day's worth of driving in the wrong direction.
3: And,
0: right,
2: right. You're right the- though. It is kind
3: of uh, imitating this in a sense.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because this this came out in 1987, so we just uh, celebrated the 30th anniversary last year. Whereas the following year, '88, was really. Uh, kind of a high water mark for the the buddy road movie comedy kind of thing, because I, I think of three movies that came out in eighty eight. Really? Um, you've got the Midnight Run, oh mm-hmm, with uh, De Niro, and you're know, playing uh, a bounty hunter who's trying to bring Charles Groden back. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And it's this kind of a, a road comedy, buddy movie type thing. You've got Rain Man, mm. which I guess is not as much of a comedy, but still like a buddy. It, that's a yeah, road that's
3: thing. a road one. I, I would say yeah. Mm.
0: And then you've got uh, Things Change, Thanks. which is a David Mamet film. Yes, with um, two guys,
3: <laughs> two actors, yeah. Two, two
0: actors <laughs> who play buddies and they travel. So you've got uh, yeah, you know, kind of kind of the three road movies that came out in '88. But uh, I mean, I think this is th- those are three good movies. But yeah, this is better. Um, you know, and, and did it first and stuff, and and you've got yeah, you've you've definitely got some gags and things that that inspire that we could see the effects of and the inspiration coming through. Um, and don't forget so,
1: that John Hughes uh, wrote Vacation, if if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah,
0: sort of like the the ultimate wow uh, road movie. I mean, that's a, a whole family, not just a right, buddy movie. Right. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, this guy, you know, it's just we we were talking about how great John Hughes is, and just the the somehow he just tapped into something that we all related to. Yeah, um, I think we still do, but we certainly we were relating to it back in back in the '80s. So, so what we get is uh, while while trying to get his jacket off while while driving, uh, Dell ends up spinning the car around. Uh, <laughs> Seven twenty or nine sixty or something, <laughs> but he ends up just pointing the wrong direction, and uh, and that's so, great when when Neil just wakes up and he's just
3: like everything all right I'm yeah, fine yes yeah, I'm, I'm fine, fine.
0: <laughs> but uh, so there's 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 the car on the other side of the highway that's traveling in the correct direction and trying to get Dell's attention yelling you're going the wrong way um, and just a, a little tidbit a couple things the uh, the two people in the other car are actually both uh, stunt people. They've got oh. um, they've got a couple acting credits, but if you look at IMDb, they're they're mostly known for their stunt work. So the driver is John Mayo Mayo M O I O. Not sure how to pronounce that, but uh, so John has been in a ton of things. Uh, but a, a couple things I want to pull out is uh, the Sting, uh, the In-Laws, uh, Escape from New York, mm. uh, Johnny Dangerously with mm-hmm. with Michael Keaton, who we've we've mentioned a couple times before. Uh, actually, funny enough. Uh, did stunts for Midnight Run, oh, wow! speak of uh, buddy comedies. Um, and then a couple – just uh, two movies that didn't really fit in with the rest of that kind of stood out. Um, some of his later work was in uh, Alvin and the Chipmunks <laughs> and Alvin and the Chipmunks, the Squeakquel. <laughs> Um, I have not seen either one of those movies and I will not see either one of those movies, but apparently there were stunts and <laughs> the driver of this other car
1: was doing them. He was doing the stunts for a yeah. David Cross. Or yeah,
0: there you go. <laughs> um, and then his, his, uh, the woman in the passenger seat of this other car is Victoria Vander, der loot. Uh, I think hopefully you that right. Um, again, a, a long list of, of, of stunts, um, I- including, uh, uh, she has uh, Titanic, so shout out to Titanic Minute. Uh, Airport seventy nine, nice. the Concorde. Uh, shout out to uh, to Airport Minute. And also, I uh, you know I kind of teased this a couple of days ago. She was a body double for Jennifer Beals in Flashdance. Oh wow! Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, at least according to IMDb, she and did all the dancing. She did all the dancing. Sure. <laughs> it, I got to tell you something. Please do.
2: The 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 guy the driver his at ten minutes and twenty seven seconds his he's got the seatbelt on but a minute later when he's yelling at them more the seatbelt is now pulled back behind his arm like he takes the seatbelt off I don't that just bugs me now
0: Oh you're right yeah the seatbelt's there I guess well you could say like maybe he flipped so he because he, he kind of turns and leans out the window Yeah he might have he might far. have like Oh it looks like it's not even strapped in at that point It's dangerous It's kind of just hanging loose on the side Yeah. yeah. Well, that's it. This movie sucks. Yeah.
2: Well, um, no. Uh, the <laughs> no, next, I'm the kidding. next thing is when, when Steve Martin realizes something. Like, what is he looking at at the road exactly? I'm not. I don't get this. At like 11 minutes of like around 12
3: seconds, yes. he's looking at the road, and I'm like, I, what is he seeing that I'm? I, I think he's trying to find like the shoulder.
0: Yeah. Well, see the one, the one thing it should be obvious because if they're on the wrong side of the highway. They should just be seeing the backs of signs. Like all the signs would be facing the other direction. Yeah,
2: wouldn't there be a they sign sh- on the on the on the ramp itself? Like you mo- I wouldn't think there's got to be some uh, there's got to be some signs on some of these ramps that would be like, "Whoa, this is the wrong way! Like you're you you've gone the wrong side, buddy."
0: Yeah, is that? It? But then we
3: wouldn't have this scene. No, then we have yeah. this scene. Yes, of course.
0: <laughs> yeah, when they show him looking down at the shoulder, that's that sort of, Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's just,
3: can we well, just say something? When he says you're going the wrong way, then how does he know where we're going? Great know? line, great. <laughs>
0: That's,
1: That's probably my favorite line in the film. Yeah. I agree, I agree. Yeah. With that That is the yeah. perfect retort. If anyone ever tells
0: you you're going yeah. the wrong way, how do they know where
1: we're going? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, how do they know where we're going? And can I back up for just a second? Um, Absolutely. There, this sequence starts with the uh, the semi-trucks coming over a hill, Mm-hmm. And they're honking before they even crest the hill. They're What are they honking? Yeah. And it's like, what are they honking at? Because it takes a solid minute for them to... For this, you know, encounter to finally happen between the car and the trucks. That,
2: that, it's that just, John... I think it's, Ke-
1: yeah. Oh, go ahead.
2: <laughs> no, that, like that John Candy's is like just not getting like... Yeah, there's right. two trucks coming at us, huh? Look at these, right. look at these bodies telling us where we're going. <laughs> look at those two trucks yeah. coming right at us. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's like what else are you
2: looking at, John? Like, I get you. <laughs> he, he, he like leans over, but like, hey, there's sometimes he's looking straight ahead, like, oh boy, oh geez. It's like there's yeah, these trucks are coming. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's you know, going back to the setup and payoff. And and maybe that's a little bit too obvious. It's a little insulting as the audience, the the, the honking. Like, okay, we, we saw them get turned around. They're getting yelled at by this other car. We figure out they're on the wrong side of the road. And we've seen the, the trucks coming. To have them honking. You know, maybe, you know, maybe they just, I think maybe the filmmaker didn't want to give us enough credit just to kind of make sure we, like, why are we seeing trucks? Well, here's a, here's a horn to make sure you're paying yeah. attention.
1: Yeah, right, right. And did, but, uh, have we gone yeah. past uh, the mess around? Yes. Back yeah. It up, yeah. So back that's up.
0: like it's kind of like towards the beginning yeah. of uh, of this day. Um, great Ray Charles song, "The Mess Around." Uh, yeah. Which did you, did you have a history, Chris? what's I what's do. Your, uh, it was experience with this uh, this great song. Well, first
1: of all, I had it. I've had it stuck in my head now for three days. So thanks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. it was actually written by Ahmet Erdogan. Does that name ring a bell to anyone?
0: Hmm. Um, only because I've read the Wikipedia entry on the song. <laughs> okay. Otherwise I would have I otherwise I'd have no idea who that was. He's
1: the guy who founded Atlantic Records and really reshaped what a modern record label is and and can be. I mean, there's without him there's no Led Zeppelin. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. I mean he he really he was one of the last of the the moguls who single-handedly, you know, he was in charge of Atlantic Records and he would also be basically the A&R guy as well. So he'd be spotting, you know, different people in the 50s. It was people like Ray Charles and saying, this guy's got a lot of talent. He belongs on my label. And nowadays it's all corporate and there's no nurturing of artists. Whereas when he was running Atlantic, it was, it was more like, he would take an interest in someone's music because he was a musician and he would say, Okay, let's set you up and you know, if if you record two albums and they're not hitting, well, we'll wait till the third one and, and maybe <clears> that'll be a hit and you know, we'll develop your career as you go along. Really, really important to sort of fifties through eighties rock and pop and blues music, really a Titan. Um, so that's my Ahmet Erdogan shout out.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I, I put all together yeah, but yeah, I I didn't recognize the name but yeah, Atlantic is yeah, really started off big in jazz and blues but then um you know through the 60s and 70s broke into you know rock and roll and pop music Ooh, and uh, yeah, a lot of what we think of as music uh kind of went through those doors. So uh
1: And then of course yeah. and then of course this song was used or an homage, there's two homages for this. One is oh, an yeah, yeah. um in Family Guy, the, the uh Return of the Jedi episode, which yeah. I believe is called Something Something Dark Side, right? Yeah. And, um there when the uh ATST is is going through the forest and blasting all the, the ewoks, they then cut to the interior yeah, and it's, a- it's and it's uh, yeah, Peter as the and, it, and, and well, I don't even think it's Peter. I think it's just, it's supposed to be <laughs> Oh, is it Dell? Yeah, it's, yeah, and they right. and he's doing mess around as he's probably <laughs> the, uh, They they look, look
0: I get I get them confused. Dell and Peter yeah. Griffith look, yeah, a, yeah. look alike. <laughs> a lot alike. Maybe well, Dell Griffith, Peter Griffith. Yeah, exactly. Like related brothers or something.
1: And then also apparently this was used in Ted 2, another Seth MacFarlane hmm. property. Uh there was a scene where Ted is driving the car and he, they reference this scene. Uh, huh. Del.
0: I don't remember that, but uh, yeah,
1: hmm. great, great, great song. And then we see uh,
0: we see the flash of uh, at least in Neil's eyes when Dell turns into the devil, yes. right?
3: And again, considering they had to actually shoot it all, I mean, great, <laughs> great little.
2: <laughs> no, sorry.
0: i was things. like i've got to
2: this family guy clip and it is funny i'm sorry
3: it is funny. i didn't get
2: beat to death
0: by the ewoks <laughs> yeah uh. so you know i i, I kind of wonder like is i think this brings up a question the scene and, and this vision that mm-hmm. neil has is is dell the devil
1: <laughs> well, first, they both turn into skeletons, oh, right? Yeah. <laughs> for yeah. just like three frames of film, yeah. each one of them is a, is a skeleton. They, they right. And big that's big what I'm eyeballs. saying. For,
3: considering it's it's a short gag, it's a great
2: touch. Um, Home Alone 2, yeah. John Hughes. He doesn't... Uh, John Hughes does that. Like, I, I, I guess it influence Christopher Columbus to do it again in Home Alone 2 because hmm. uh, he, Marv grabs the faucets and... Yes. he has the the battery the the generator
1: tied right. to it and he
2: gets electrocuted for one of the frames it's just wires on a skeleton just getting electrocuted so yeah he he, he clearly likes this bit of just like yeah. an, an intense intense screaming you turn into
0: a skeleton <laughs> <laughs> because worse.
1: he didn't oh, go ahead i was just
0: saying john hughes didn't direct but he did didn't he write well he wrote yeah, yeah. He wrote him yeah. Oh, or yeah. yeah. This could be one of those things. Oh, he...
2: I'm sorry, but this could be one of those things where it's like, oh, Spielberg. He didn't direct it. He produced it. You're like, yeah, but I think he like whispered in the director's ear, like, you got to do this. This is
1: gonna be really good. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Spielberg. This, he didn't know... direct. Uh, I'm sorry. He did direct
1: Poltergeist. He totally did. We all know he did. Right. Or Goon. Yeah. Or Goonies. <laughs> or Gremlins. <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's got Spielberg all over it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love
0: the the. The, the Del Griffith skeleton <laughs> still has the mustache. Oh, right. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: He's got the, the Del Griffith hair and the mustache. It's still, somehow it still looks like him, even though it's only a skeleton. It split. does.
1: Is this the only moment of like magical realism or, or like where, where we sort of break, where it becomes fantastic rather than grounded? Oh, uh, what about when he get, when he gets his nuts grabbed and his
3: voice is high? <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> but that's like, you don't think that's realistic. Yeah, I
3: think that, well, I,
1: that's just sort of a gag to me. Yeah, all right, that's more of a gag. Okay, I see what you're saying. But it, this seems like what what this really reminds me of is like the large Marge scene in mm, uh, Yes, Pee-wee. yes, and Pee Wee. Yes. You know that movie has just tons of magical realism or whatever you want to call it. Um, mm, yeah. Whereas this is just like one. Isolated like scene, and maybe it just has so much impact because of that. Because there are no other moments in the film um, that are this bonkers, for lack of a yeah, better yeah. word. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, so that's that's the uh, the second tie, t- the second Pee Wee Herman connection that we found. Oh, what was the there's episode? the oh, sc- yeah. there's the scene on the bus, right, where uh, the, the, the 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 couple sitting across from Dell and Neil right. are making out, and they they catch Neil. Kind of looking over, oh, and the guy yeah. says, "Take a picture; it'll last longer." Yeah, so, right. so, just everyone is copying this movie. It, just shows you how great. I was gonna say it maybe
2: was eighty six. You could you could add the magical realism to um to 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 Neil kind of still waking up, you know, he's still in a yeah, groggy yeah. state and like, oh, driver, what, what are you talking about? What going the wrong way, huh? And then just like his brain's just like firing all synapses, like just two trucks, and then now you're gonna die. <laughs> You know, just coming out of that sleep, and just yeah, his his his, his uh, we you call it? your subconscious brain is just firing, and just right. showing you everything. Right.
0: So also like during that, you know, during this driving the wrong way scene, there's periodically little whiffs of smoke rising up in the back seat. Mm-hmm. Just another one of those little oh, seeds wow. planted right. that 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 payoff actually, you know eventually comes. And not to mention where he puts his wallet in the in the glove compartment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so there's, you know, everything all these little all these little things are just pieces of the puzzle that ultimately come together.
1: Um, Have any of you drawn uh driven the wrong way? Uh, in real life.
2: For for a hot moment, I turn into the to I turn into the uh the wrong lane of a um of a movie theater where it's like the movie theater had like the intro and the uh and so there was no divider really. It was just the right side obviously you would go in and then the left side of the road you would be coming out of you know the okay. ramp to from the so like essentially i was coming i took the I took the left turn in and essentially i was on like the, just i took it tight the exit yeah and yeah. so i took it tight so i'm more on the out outside of the lane and yeah then a the car came down the hill and then everyone's like how do they know where i'm going yeah,
1: how do they, you know, <laughs> yeah yeah how do,
2: so that's that's the only time i can remember going you know on the wrong side of the road thank god it was only for yeah a moment going to the theater And everyone's going only like twenty miles per hour.
3: Yeah, I don't think I've ever not on a highway. I mean, maybe like a one way street. I probably turned down.
2: Oh yeah, I've done that. Yeah, you're right. I have done that in the city where I just go. Oh, now I'm already halfway down this block. Hopefully, no one's gonna come at me. (laughs) Because you're right. Yeah, the cities, you know, like affiliates, like one. Yeah, yeah, the one road goes one way, then the next road goes. So it's like if you miss the turn, you got to go down two blocks to like come back around on it.
0: Yeah, I've done that, yeah, kind of short where, like, I just look, there's no one coming rather than, you know, rather than drive all the way around the block if it's just a short little you yeah. know, kind of jog. Um, how about how about you, Chris? You ever have this situation? I, I
1: have. Um, so here in Albuquerque, we have a, a really bad drunk driving problem. And I was on New Year's Eve and I had had one beer like four hours prior And I was in downtown Albuquerque, and we don't have one-way streets except for where I was. And I made a, and this was like at one in the morning, and I made a a left turn onto a one-way street. No lights coming at me or anything like that. And I didn't know it was one way, and I just started driving up up that street the wrong way. And the next thing I know, I look up, and I've got two police cars in my rearview mirror, and I went, Oh, that's interesting. They <laughs> had like yeah. four police cars in my rear. Four? Rear. God. And I, yeah. Well, this was the drunk driving task force, mm. you know, had, for uh. the city had descended on me. And <laughs> I Ooh, pulled yeah. over and they all just, you know, swarmed my car, <laughs> practically pulled open the door and I, and I had just played a gig with my band. For, you know, for New Year's and I wasn't happy about how that went. So I was a little, <laughs> a little angry about that. Oh, no. And I get out of the, it was, I was actually in a pickup truck, got out of my truck and they did everything they could to try to get me to like fall over drunk basically. And, um, and I was actually quite sober and quite angry. And then they said, do you realize you were driving them? And I was like, I honestly had no idea no idea and they were so convinced they had a drunk on their hands um and so nope just a bad driver yeah no and that's exactly what the guy said he's like no he, he took one cop to the other. He's like no he's not drunk he's just a dumb driver or something like that i forget what he said and they that's gave funny. me a court date instead of a ticket or anything and i went to and i thought oh they're gonna throw me in jail you know or something mm-hmm. really bad's gonna happen and, I, and when I went to court, they just said, uh, Mr. Frayne, please keep in mind that Albuquerque does indeed have a few one-way streets. Next.
2: It's <laughs> <laughs> was a waste. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. But uh, I'm, I'm very paranoid about since that happened. Yeah. Uh,
0: uh, so there's. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Dave.
2: No, I know. I, we were talking about the, the car on fire. I found a perfect moment. 14 minutes, 14 seconds of our clip. I think that's a perfect shot.
0: Oh yeah, so it's it's Dell and Neil looking back over their shoulder. Yeah. And just the flames them. And the
2: Chicago <laughs> sign.
0: Like right. that's how far you still have to go. Which is Yeah, Chicago, hundred and two miles.
1: <laughs> which is that is that the exact same distance in the Blues brothers when they pass the Chicago that like when they when they leave the the concert after Carrie Fisher is strafed them with gunfire and then they <laughs> right. they go out of the out of the tunnel and they get on the, you know, and it's, it's 3 a.m. And I forget the whole quote, but,
0: um, I think it's 106 there, miles, <laughs> okay. Four miles it's, off. you know, it's one of those things when you, if you, when you look up on the internet, they say, Oh, this is, uh, you know, this is a reference to that, or right, this obviously right. means that, but right. it's close, but it's not exact. So that right. is, um, that one from the blues brothers, it's, it's 106 <laughs> miles to Chicago, we got a full tank of gas, we're half a pack, of, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. <laughs> so that may or may not be a, a reference, but yeah, Chicago, 102 miles. Yeah, that is
3: a good shot, though.
0: <laughs> yeah, and there was a so there's 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 a few uh, well there's a lot that got taken out. One of the deleted scenes happens at this point after the uh, after the car burns up that. Uh, it's they, they go into a strip club to to you know just they're just looking for a place with a phone It just happens like the closest uh, you know the closest establishment is a strip club and uh and, and you know Neil's trying to find the payphone and and Dell gets distracted um, I, I kind of you know I, I, it's a shame that scene got cut out and the uh, there's a there's a featured performer uh, Deborah Lamb who was in that scene and, and it's not. You know, it's not on the, the, the Blu-ray or anything. It's not in the, the deleted scenes there. So uh, we've never seen it. But just looking at uh, looking at her IMDb entry, she's been in, uh, uh, let's see, a few things. I, I haven't seen these, but she's been in something called Strip to Kill. Uh, tra- <laughs> tra- trashy Ladies Wrestling. Oh my God. <laughs> Strip to Kill 2. Oh, yes. <laughs> she made it back. You know, the, the, the Squeakle. The squeakle. Or, you know, <laughs> And, uh... And, and she was even in one episode of Star Trek Enterprise, where her part is fire eating alien. Ooh, so she's a real. Performer. So I'm like really curious. Like like so, what kind of strip club that they, <laughs> that they step into? I, I really kind of uh, I wish we we got a bit of that deleted scene, but uh, but we don't. Yeah, you know,
2: it's so you know, thing about those deleted scenes, and like when they say that like there's all this stuff filmed that like we're never gonna see. It always makes me nervous that like you know, uh, remember they said like what was it 1920 or something that there's a fire at some studio and they lost like 40 years worth of movies. They're just, they're just gone. Oh yeah. It's just like all these like early uh, 1910s, 1920s, like early films are just, they're gone. They're just whatever evidence of them are, are gone. And I always worry about like that. There's these old Betamax VHS tapes, reels that are like, you know, they're full of that nitrate or whatever it is. And they're sitting, it's like, Oh yeah. Put them to digital, put it, and then like just have a database safe somewhere of all that. And yeah, it's, it's like... And the fans will will look at that dumb footage. Even if it's a dumb scene, they'll gladly look at it on a, on some release or something. Just like It's just one of those things where it's like, for the sake of history, you know, that this existed, it, it should be preserved.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I understand that the, like a full restoration process takes a lot of time and, and resources. But if you just did a straight, like just digitize it, and then if someone... Has yeah. the motivation of the money later cleaned it up, but just so, just to freeze the deterioration. Cause, you know, I, I, I'm not too familiar with the technical side of things or the chemistry involved, but I mean, apparently they were baking films on like flash paper or something like those. The, the old film, like just if you look at it the wrong way, will burst into yeah. flames for, for whatever reason. Like it's very flammable in addition to, uh, yeah, degrading over time. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll. We're, we're, we've lost stuff, and we will continue to lose stuff uh, until they, you know they just yeah just digitize it. It's just yeah, this, this is you know this is culture. This is important artwork. We don't want to. Yeah, we're not getting any uh, any more John Candy performances. Exactly. So whatever they've got, um, yeah, they they want to keep. So I'm gonna I'll, I'll use that as a segue point to uh, to kind of ask you guys. So so John Candy passed away in '94 at, at the age of, of 44. Hmm. Um, You know, so, you know, if he had stuck around, if we still had him today, you know, where where do you think his career would have done? What kind of movies Hmm. would would he be doing?
1: Well, my my first thought goes to he was an SCTV guy. So I'm Mm. wondering if he would have Mm. followed some of them and done like the Christopher Guest movies like Best in Show. Oh, God, yeah. um, Or Mighty Wind or something like that. Maybe... Maybe they would do a movie about. Did you ever see what it was like five nice guys? Was this recurring sketch on SCTV where they played a um, like like the Musketeers or something. like they were these a singing group and they all wore magic <laughs> yeah. sweaters and like if Christopher Guest would have done a movie where you know it was, it was about those characters, um, that's yeah, that's where my first thoughts go is maybe he would he would get into that more improv uh, based comedy yeah. because that's that that's his roots hmm.
0: yeah you I I I, I
2: I I always think like I he would have been greatest just some as any character in the Ghostbusters universe and I, <laughs> I I in my mind I just always think of like they could have done like a Ghostbusters three and put him in there and even if like I know they everyone wanted Bill Marion and stuff but I mean, even if I, just, I don't know, I just will let him in. And I, I think if and if Bill Murray's still in this universe, this timeline that we make, if he still went to the Paul yeah. Thomas Anderson stuff, right, is that what his name is or Wes Anderson. Not Paul. Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson. Yeah. Um the Wes Anderson where it's you know it's it's funny and it's but it's quirky. Oh man, think about think of whatever ca- a character that John Candy would have played in a Wes Anderson film.
3: Mm, mm. Yeah, I could have seen him do something like that. God. The Bill Murray route and Yeah.
0: Yeah, instead of that um uh, who's the really annoying guy? Oh. Schwartzman? Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> just take out yeah. Can we, can we actually, you know, can we just do that? You know, do we have like that uh, you know, the the deep fake technology? Can we just take out everything every Jason Schwartzman movie. I tell you We'll just put John Candy John, in those
2: parts. I'm so glad you and I are on the same level, as Jason Schwartzman. I, I, I think Rushmore is the only time it works, but I think it only works because of just how him and Bill Murray's interactions. I think it's the only Schwartzman yeah. production I really can like. Like, I've watched like mm-hmm. all of them, and I'm just like, I don't know why him and Schwartz. Yeah, him and Schwartzman are just best buddies. But yeah, I cannot. That's the always the part of Wes Anderson films I never like is the Schwartzman part, and that TV show he did with uh was it Zach Galifianakis and Ted Danson the uh,
0: and Ted Danson death.
3: yeah oh yeah. my friend was
2: like or- you got to watch it so funny and i'm just like dude i'm i'm watching i'm like six episodes in and i'm hating every episode it's not working for me just not so yeah i'm so glad we're on that same page just
0: <laughs> well you you know you know your movies you know your actors <laughs> that's why we have you on the show Dave you uh you bring it every time
3: um, now I want to talk about that scene when Del's in the car sleeping outside.
0: Yeah, so let's let's uh, let's get back to oh, the movie. Yeah, the, um, the motel. So eventually, this this burned out husk of a car rolls into a hotel. Oh, this has a line that I love. Yeah. So so Neil, being the upper crust, stuffy one percenter that he is, has a watch that he can trade for a hotel room. That's right. Del Griffith, man of the people that he is, has a Casio, and so is. Uh, you know, stuck sleeping out in the car.
3: So here, here's my thoughts on this scene here. Again, we talked about how it's always from Neil's perspective. This is the one scene from Dell's perspective, the one scene in the entire movie that it's from Dell. Does this give it away? I I mean, I don't know. I I guess the first time watching, you probably wouldn't really pick up on it, but if there's ever a scene that really gives it away, I feel like here it is where he's basically said uh, talking to his wife, What do you guys think?
1: I I think when I first saw it, I took it just purely as a a monologue that was revealing more of his character that he was like this kind of desperate, lonely guy. Um, Of Mm -hmm. course, now I watch it three or four times and, uh, you know, and I know he's referring to, you know, when he says, oh, of course you can't be here, you know, but I wish you were. Then I, I almost read that as like, maybe they're divorced. Yeah or or it's separated in some way but i didn't i i remember the first time i watched it i still wasn't um yeah. picking up on that i bet uh, my wife would have picked on, up on that cuz she she's really good at, at at understanding subtle hints in in dialogue whereas i stuff just goes right over my head i was curious um, if um i'm sorry no 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 problem
2: if, if married couples i was just curious because like, i'm single i was see if if married couples can pick up on those terminologies better then it's like, oh, you know how someone talks about their significant other. That's what I was curious of. Yeah,
0: that's that's a good question because one of the things I, I picked up on, and I don't know if it's you know having been married kind of makes me sensitive or, or notice these things. One thing I notice is the when 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 Dell talks about his wife and, and specifically kind of jumping forward even just a few minutes once they're in when. When Neil invites Dell in and they're kind of, you know, they're, they're drinking the little airline bottles of, of booze and um, kind of talking about, you know, toasting their wives mm-hmm. and stuff that the, you know, Dell doesn't seem happy. And particularly when, when Neil says, you know, if nothing else, what is it, at least, you know, at least you have a woman who loves right. you or you have a woman to grow old with. Ouch. And like, Dell doesn't seem happy. He's not like happy thinking, oh, yeah, no. I've got a wife. Going. And not even wistful, like it's almost –
3: He's sad. angry. He, he's upset. Sad angry. I mean, he's he's up. Yeah.
0: He's upset, and it's it's. And now I look at you know, knowing the the twist at the end, it's like you know, kind of. It seems like it's an angry face to cover up how hurt he is. Yeah. you yeah. know the, the pain of the yeah. loss. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it, you know, I, I think like if I'm if I'm just missing somebody who I know I will see eventually when I get home, that's different than missing someone who I I know I will never see again, and. Um, yeah. And this, I, I think this is also a particularly important scene because a lot of times Dell is, is described as he's just sort of the big lug who, who has no self awareness. He doesn't know how big he is. Not, and, and it's, you know, physically a large man, but also the personality. Like he, he's not aware of his surroundings. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, the, the bull in the china shop kind of thing, but. I think this particularly because he's not—he's not just defending himself from an attack on or attack from Neil or kind of thing. Like he's alone, he's just kind of talking to himself. Like like Brian said, it's not from Neil's perspective. No one else sees or hears this other than Dell. And he seems to like you know he recognizes I'm I come on too strong. I'm a little bit too loud. Like he has that self awareness, and you know maybe he can't control it, but he. Yeah. You know, I think he has a little bit more awareness than than sometimes people give him credit for as as a character. Uh, yeah, just I really like it's a really touching moment. And
1: well, the scene the, the yeah. scene where um, essentially, uh, and this is this would have been in day two, where um, Neil is is essentially breaking up with Dell in the restaurant. And he's saying, "I think we'll get mm-hmm. we'll we'll go farther by going." <laughs> yeah. and yeah. and Dell gets up and and it's clear that he understands exactly what's happening, and he's like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, right. don't even right. bother." I forget, I forget I forget what his lines are, but it's something like, "I know what you're doing." You know, you're breaking up with me, essentially. Yeah. Um, Where if he was truly clueless, he would just be like, oh, "Okay, oh yeah, good luck." All right, exactly. see you. You know,
2: I was curious. Maybe the one of the reasons why he is also like holding back the anger is. Maybe he found out about his wife's passing while he was on the road. Like, he was in a motel, and maybe he called. Mm -hmm. She doesn't answer. He calls someone else, and they're like, oh, yeah, we've been trying to get a hold of you. Like, he calls the office, or the office calls him at the motel, and they're like, we need to tell you that, like, your wife passed. Uh, And that could be one of the reasons why either either he's still paying for a house that he doesn't visit, or he abandons it. But it's just that, you know... one of the reasons why he's on the road, you know, hmm. it just, he's in that bubble. He can't, he doesn't want to escape it. i just, I'm constantly moving constantly on the road. I don't think about it. And maybe that's what it was. He was in a motel when he heard, and he's like, oh, I guess I'm just going to, you know, I'll get around. Yeah. I'll get around to, uh, coming home. You know, he just, cause I assume he just gets wired money by the office. It's the only thing I can think of the office wires him some money, you know,
0: for travel. And he
2: just keeps going you- and,
0: yeah, yeah. they just have an account. They just pay the credit card. And he charges everything or cash it gets yeah. on the road.
3: But see that 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 stuff doesn't bother like how he gets his money. Like I, I don't really yeah. care that much, you yeah, know. I mean, in a movie like this,
0: yeah, I mean, that, that's something we talked about. Like we, we thought maybe like it's you know it, it's it's a little bit of denial, like the the constant traveling on the road. Whereas if he went home, he'd have to recognize you know this empty house that used to have. My wife in it, whereas you know it's always there's always the potential. Like as long as I never go home, she could be there, kind of thing. You know, it's, it's denial. Um, an in, an interesting sort of twist, a, a different sort of movie <laughs> that uh, that our buddy Robert Black suggested when we talked to him yesterday was uh, we, we, we were um, we were hypothesizing, we we're talking about like what's in the trunk. Maybe she Jesus uh, it's Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Hell, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so, so, you know, what do you guys think of that as a, as an alternative if there was like, um, how heavy did you know, it like shoot? a reshoot of this movie <laughs> from Dell's viewpoint? And like, you know, at, at night before going to bed, he like opens the trunk and you know, gives the wife a kiss good night. Oh, gee.
2: I'm not giving Rob any any leeway on this, no. I just say, like, if, I'll, how about this? I'll give him, some of his wife's possessions, maybe a jewelry, maybe like a handkerchief or something of hers. So okay, he can but, sniff yeah, it and he remembers what his wife smells like. It has her perfume on it or something. I'll give him that that's in the trunk that's in a, in a little velvet pouch or something in the i'll give him that i'm not doing the weird psycho corpse you know it's there the whole time no nah, i i and I, I don't i don't think that's knock it good off either, rob but, it
0: <laughs> but i don't know i think would that be and then at the end when you know so neil invites dell in he's staying over at the house and like one of the kids sees the trunk and is like, Daddy, there's a lady in that trunk. And it's like, come on, I you know, I know this guy, we've we've traveled together, we've slept together, we've been intimate. I know this guy. You you must have seen something else and you made a mistake. And then uh, and then it turns out it's not a woman. It's just a dress in the wig and then one time Neil walks in and it's 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 Dell dressed up as Maria. Oh, my God. oh
3: boy <laughs> I it, it, here's something though. If Maria was alive Okay, if she was alive, yes. Would he have her picture out at every hotel like this? In a nice 8x10.
1: It's weird. I I I travel a little it bit for weird. my job and I don't carry a picture of my wife and put it up in the, yeah, it's it's strange. I would I okay. would think that would yeah. be strange if I saw something. I mean like, again, watching it
3: yeah. yeah, and watching it the first time, you really you don't really I, I mean, it just kind of happens, I guess. Yeah. I'm trying to think what I remember to just, yeah, hey, he has this picture, the picture of her.
0: I think that is unusual. And I think yeah, it's, it's the kind of thing if you're just, if you're, you know, one week a month or every once in a while you're, you're traveling for work, you don't necessarily do that. That's another one of those signs that like he's traveling forever.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: So that that hotel nightstand is, is home for him you know or that's it's a permanent situation yeah. and that's why you do it. it it becomes a you know a shrine that trunk is big because
2: that's all of the clothes of his closet that there he's not going back to replace clothes all of his clothes are in that closet or in that trunk
0: yeah
1: mm-hmm. and his inventory
0: yeah well so and well, so it, yeah. it, and, well and, and so chris what do you what do you think about what's what's in that trunk
1: i okay so i read online somewhere that it's his own pillows Yeah, I read that too. Yeah, that's the picture of the wife and something else, I forget. A corpse. No, I'm just kidding. Uh. (laughs) Well, it's, it's I'll just, you know,
0: the the problem with that is, is that, well, one, we never see it in the movie, so I don't know where that comes from. And two, like, that's a big trunk. You don't need a whole big trunk for a pillow and a picture.
3: And the trunk goes in and out. You don't see the trunk. Like, there's times the trunk is actually not even around. Yeah. Which is funny.
0: Well, and I have, you know, I, and I wonder about the trunk because, so I, I assume Neil doesn't check his bag. You see, Neil, he's got a briefcase and he's got um like a garment bag. Mm-hmm. You know, he he he, uh, you know, he doesn't have. He has two small things that he could have carried onto the plane, and so he has those throughout the movie. Like that trunk, like so. Dell has the trunk and a suitcase. Both are way too big to have been carried on the plane. They must have been checked. Mm-hmm. Like, when does he get – does he get – he gets the bag in Wichita? Like, I don't – I don't know. I guess I, I, I want to – I don't know. I get – like, there's no scene in, like, baggage claim or – is like that, is that when he's calling I mean, the hotel I, while he's waiting for the bags to come?
3: I mean, he, I don't know how you guys feel about uh, what, what you're describing could be a, a potential plot hole, I suppose. But that does not bother me because it's okay. really not – it doesn't have anything to do with the movie. Well, because of the – I,
0: yeah, I guess it depends. I mean, you like, want to know
3: how he checked his bag.
0: Well, no, but I guess I just if if the flight when the flight lands in Wichita, if it's just delayed or, or like would they really unload the bags or would they be like, listen, we're going to wait out the storm and then the plane is going to fly to Chicago, so we're going to leave the bags on the plane.
3: So you want a scene of American Airlines executives figuring out what to do with the with the luggage? I'm
0: just, I'm just saying, I was, <laughs> I, was, I was I was just wondering, I was just wondering about it, but yeah, that's fine. <laughs> whatever what what i wonder about more is so in this scene you know they're 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 kind of getting drunk they're with the little bottles they're toasting to their wives and there's there's just before the toast del passes um well well two things first so del passes Neil a bottle he says tequila and so and he's got doritos he's asking us tequi- te- tequila and doritos a good combination and del says no i disagree I think that's an excellent yeah. comment.
1: I have a bigger question. But
0: <laughs> All right, please bring it okay.
1: up. <laughs> so they have no money. Mm. Like, they literally pulled out their cash, and it was $17 and a watch, right?
0: Right, and
1: right. And I think, didn't Dell have even less or something like that? Well,
0: and yeah, Dell had $2, $2 and, and, and his watch.
1: And then the, it cuts to them in the room. With all of the little travel liquors and just mm-hmm. a ton of vending machine food. Right? Yeah. Yes. Where does that yeah. come from if they're if they're cashless? True.
0: It's in the trunk. <laughs> well I I think I think we're supposed to think specifically the alcohol Comes from Dell having
1: because they're little, little travel bottles. Yeah,
0: the little bottles they give you on airplanes. It's from him all the travel he
1: does. He just puts them in the trunk. You know, he collects okay, the bottles. Yeah. So that's why the trunk is so heavy. Then, yeah, I, that's why it's, it's full of booze and snack foods. We just answered that question. We just cracked this movie. I think. There you go. Yeah. See, that's what we do. We we. The saw only thing I can think
2: of is um, maybe he dipped into the the some of the. Do you think he has any profits of the coat hangers? Like business account, you know what I'm saying? Like Curtain here's hangers. my here's my personal money, but then here's the company's money from me selling the shower hangers. You know, he kind of.
0: But then wouldn't wouldn't he use that for the room?
2: Yeah, because that would be more of a business expense, definitely. Yeah, room and board. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know where they would why they would have more secret money than they already have. As the fact, they have no credit
0: cards. Yeah, I think this is just just is, is uh, it's Dell's traveling stock. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so the, oh, so the other thing, my well, the original thing I was wondering about. So, Dell hands Neil a bottle of tequila. Um, I think he says, I'm pretty sure he says tequila, but it's it's like a dark colored, or not a or darker liquid. But then when they toast to their wives, Neil is holding a bottle of vodka, and it's clear alcohol. Uh,
1: is the answer? The answer is so Neil is, is dead. He's been dead this whole time.
0: Yeah, so if you look at at twenty like twenty three fifty, twenty three fifty one, after the toast to the wives, um, all of a sudden it's it's or maybe it's gin. I think, but it's it's a clear alcohol. It's not the like the smoky color to the brown liquid. The
2: tequila's is on the nightstand too, next to the phone. So I just think this is cut. This comes from the Hughes cut. The scene probably went on for like yeah. another ten minutes. So it probably went right. Through, so he's, yeah. he's already he just. He right. drank the
0: tequila and he's on yeah. the next bottle,
2: right? And so I think all I think yeah, this comes from a lot of they probably like they let these guys riff a lot more on both booze mm-hmm. and snacks and other things, and maybe they even discussed it like where maybe they made a joke about all the stuff that he's had stocked yeah. up from planes and and you know, the complimentary snacks from planes and trains, and so but they caught it just to you know keep it tight down and you know. If anything, once again, yeah. we have another amazing shot of like Dell on the far left, and then the picture of his wife on the far right. It's just perfectly framed, with like the Roy Orbison yeah. guy in yeah. the top corner too. <laughs> I guess that's Roy Orbison, right. right? Like that's uh, 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 um, the the painting above the bed. Well, like I don't um, know. Like you guys may know more classic, nice. you know, Western rock. I don't know. Like because this is a this is a Western theme, so. I'm I'm leaving it up to you guys. I thought I just saw a guy in with 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 guitar and shades. I go well. I think Roy Orbison kind of dressed like that.
0: Oh, he's got the glasses. Who's
1: um? Buddy Holly maybe or It's shades mm. though. No. Think, right? Oh, okay.
0: But like Ronnie, Ronnie Millsap <laughs> maybe.
1: I was watching this on my phone, so I <laughs> couldn't get the resolution high enough to be able. To... Yeah. We so,
0: I mean, do
2: get. Uh, a well, no, no. You get a great like look that. at 19, yeah. 19, maybe, 1954. Maybe go to minute nineteen.
0: Oh, all the way back to 1954,
2: 1954. baby. I, I'd say
0: if you go, all right, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. A young Roy Orbison, yeah, yeah. It's uh, you know, it's definitely someone with a guitar and like you know the dark shades and kind of a fifties hairstyle. I'll go, yeah, all right, yeah, it, yeah, it doesn't really, yeah, I don't know, it's somebody, <laughs> it's artwork.
2: So want to make sure we we got it covered. Just uh-huh. want to make sure it's covered.
0: So, all right, so we got to, You know, we, we make sure we're we're thorough. Um, so then jumping ahead to now really day three, we wake up.
1: Can I go back to um, a line sorry, I, there's one line I love in this. When they pull up to the to the motel, he says, Hey, don't punch me in the gut yeah, you know, without letting me know. That's how who
0: hu- Oh yeah, you could, that's, how Houdini that's how died. Houdini
1: died. And I, I just <laughs> sat there and I went, What is he talking about? So of course I went down a rabbit hole. And this mm-hmm. is actually a true story. So I always assume that Houdini died trying to do, you know, escaping from the straitjacket, chained up underwater, and he drowned, right? That that seems like the plausible myth.
0: As one does, yeah. sure. Yeah.
1: And, but it was actually, um, Houdini was uh, performing in Montreal and he was, uh, before he, he did his show, he was just laying on a couch in his dressing room and talking to a bunch of college students. And he said, oh, yeah, I do this thing in my act where people punch me in the gut, and it doesn't bother me. Come on, punch me in the gut. It, by the way, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, I know this story, yeah. This story. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so everyone knows. But I'll, I'll, for the listener's sake. Um, they, they don't, don't know. Nothing. you got to educate. And so yeah. one of them went <laughs> up and punched him in the gut a couple times, and it turned out it, created, it basically ruptured his uh, appendix, I believe Um, it was a condition called uh, peritonitis tinnitus and uh, he died on uh, Halloween 1926 from this. He went on to do like two more shows in excruciating pain (sighs) and uh, after this happened um, after he was punched. But it turns out, yeah, if you're laying down and someone punches you, 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 um, your your muscles, your abdominal muscles won't automatically react to it, and the I guess oh. the force of the punch goes straight into you, ah. into your, um, you know, into your lower abdomen. So it, it was just a funny line that I just I thought it was a throwaway line, and then I went down the the rabbit hole and looked it up, and I was like, oh, okay, that's actually a real thing.
0: What like so I see I thought that was an urban myth. I had heard the story that, like, yeah, that, that, yeah, you know, I, so I knew Houdini did a thing where it's like, anyone can punch him, and, you know, that was fine. I thought it was an urban myth that, like, someone punched him, and he wasn't ready, and that's what killed that's,
1: him, but... That's the story I'm reading, yeah. No, truth is a true story. Truth <laughs> wow. is stranger than fiction yeah.
0: sometimes. So, yeah, so he, he could have killed him. He, that's, that's how John Candy died.
1: Right, they're both right. dead, I think, from, from that Steve's, point on in the movie... <laughs>
0: From that point on, it's like uh, what Mulholland exactly, Drive. After which this, it's love. all a dream. Yeah,
1: for the first
0: time. Yeah. So yeah. So seven years later, John Candy dies from the punch oh, from Steve Martin no. because oh, <laughs> no. he wasn't ready. <laughs> and now Steve Martin travels the country with uh, with John Candy in the oh, trunk. My <laughs> <It's so horrible. laughs> oh. Well but then no, that's uh yeah. So again, like I had heard the tale, I knew what he was referring to from the line, but I thought it was uh Yeah, I thought it was one of those those urban myths things. Yeah,
1: and thing, I always but, just uh, assumed he yeah. drowned or something trying to trying to do an escape yeah. trip. So there we go.
0: Now I know not to let people no, uh,
1: don't yeah. punch me.
0: Yeah. Uh so so the following day they the, the boys get back on the road, sorry, the men, uh Neil and Dell, Dell and Neil. On the road again in what is left of this vehicle when when they're pulled over by
1: Michael McKeon, your
0: friend and mine, Michael McCann, mm-hmm. Um who is they don't they don't get into it. If you uh, for the eagle-eyed viewer, he is uh, well state 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 police state patrol. He's a statey, but it's uh, from Wisconsin. The uh, I don't. I don't know if you actually see the name Wisconsin, but if you see the outline of the state on his on his shoulder on the patch and on the car um, on the car door, it's oh. Wisconsin. Um, this was originally a much longer scene where he explains. Apparently, they've they've he actually got referring back to uh, Dumb and Dumber where they've overshot Chicago, right? <laughs> and they've they've driven past oh it into God. Wisconsin. <laughs> but uh, they, you know, they they cut that bit out and they shortened it. Though it's interesting, he is still. Michael McKean's like the fourth listed actor. Like behind, uh, (laughs) you know, fourth build. Yeah, Yeah. thanks. Um, For this one scene that's like two or three minutes um, that was originally longer. Michael McKean, of course, uh, starred as David Mm St. Hubbins in This Is Spinal Tap, Mm -hmm. which you can hear all about on my podcast. This Is Spinal Tap with uh, my co-host Heidi Bennett at SpinalTapMinute.com. (laughs) Got to get the plugs in. I think this is you know I don't I don't have a ton for this scene it just you know it's funny just just great acting everyone it shows you what comedy can be when everyone plays their role straight Michael McKean is I'm a stadi I've just pulled over this nightmare <laughs> of a vehicle and you know and I've got to deal with this John Candy is I'm just a guy trying to drive my buddy get him home for Thanksgiving you know they they just do what. People would naturally do in that situation, and then the comedy arises. There's no silly side effects. There's no whatever. You know, just the, the honesty of the situation makes it. Yeah, makes that, it so that,
2: great. I think that's. I think it's one of my favorite, just kind of overlining bits about like the Ghostbusters movies, where it's just like, think about it. They're wearing they're exterminators of ghosts. Like in and of that, it's just funny. Like <laughs> yeah, that's it. Like that's what's the joke? That's the joke. Like if they're they wear. They wear these funny packs and they bust ghosts and they, and and they you know it's not silly like. And then Winston comes along and he's like, "You gotta study pay." Yeah, okay. I, it's yeah, it's I, I I I always see Michael McKeon, but I don't think I've ever really appreciated him until recently with Better Call Saul. And I was it's like, a, yeah, God, yep, I was like, so I think he because yeah. there's just so much of him and and yeah. and it's he is playing. He doesn't play comedy. Oh, on Better Call Saul. And it's no. just this dramatic actor of him playing that older brother who's just disappointed and angry at Jimmy so much at Bob Odenkirk, and yeah, just um, man. Just and then you go back and you watch him, and you're just like, wow, like he's been good so long. He's always been good. It just it's, it took me like you know a decade or so to realize it.
0: Yeah, and then um, so we follow that up with we saw so the Dells, please. For leniency and holiday spirit, do not sway this good officer. And so we cut to a tow truck towing the the, the you know the, the still smoldering wreck of this car past a courthouse, which might look familiar.
3: Oh, did it!
2: <laughs> I could not believe it last night. This blew my mind. Both
0: me and Sean realized it. We didn't know this for years. About the same time, I'm like, I'm I am freaking out. And I'm like, I'm 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 texting Dave, just be like, you know, I'm about to blow your mind. At the same time, Dave's calling me saying, I'm about to blow your mind.
2: It's just like and, and I don't say why I'm like oh he's gotta know right and I, it's all set up like he he purposely gave me these these this point in the movie uh we're both gonna find it talk about it and then you're coming back at me like whoa and so it's like us both realizing
0: it what a treat what a damn treat yeah so this uh, this is the courthouse and you can see uh, so I haven't stopped in, in the way we have the way I cut up the movie it's at uh 29 minutes and seven seconds. We get we actually see the tow truck with the the burned out car. Um, you see the courthouse, and next to it is the jail. Um, what was previously the jail of Woodstock, Illinois, is uh, is it still a crepe restaurant or is it the? Um, I probably should ask Rob what it is because or didn't it was became a Mexican. No, restaurant I, the Mexican restaurant or no, the diner uh, became yes, the Mexican yeah. restaurant. But the, so the the scenes so the the courthouse plays the part of the Pennsylvania Hotel. No, 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 It's the
2: Opera House. The Opera House plays the the hotel. Courthouse is always the courthouse, but the Opera House plays the hotel.
0: Oh, the Opera House is the hotel, but the jail plays the bar. The jail, I, oh, no, no. I know when we see, you know, like so maybe yeah.
3: you guys should say what movie you're talking
0: about. Third face. <laughs> They know we're, we're talking about Groundhog. Day. Okay, just let the <laughs> listeners okay. know. The 1993. is <laughs> Just, right, it's just me and Sean jerking each other off. We're just jerking yeah. each other off. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you are yeah. still here? <laughs> I mean, You guys never no,
2: once said what movie it's from. It's just everyone just arguing. See, I
0: no. So that the so that the lighter building on the right of the screen was the jail it became a restaurant and the restaurant the bar scene so like well first when when (laughs) when phil gets arrested they actually had to move the tables out of the restaurant to make it look like a jail again to show him when he gets arrested early on but later when they're doing the um like Sweet ruth with a twist right that that bar is in what used to be the jail that's attached to this courthouse so wait but it's still a courthouse no no no, 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 the no, jail? no, no, What
2: I'm trying to say is, the building exterior <laughs> is the, still the the courthouse. No, is now no, courthouse? no, don't do this. You're going to confuse the audience. I'm let, let let me walk them through it, okay? Let me walk them through a completely okay. different podcast. Confusing some of the guests. <laughs> okay, in the movie yeah. Groundhog Day, the courthouse is still the courthouse. <laughs> Now, yes, the, what we just said, the, the whole the, uh, the, the, uh, the restaurant was a bar. It's, the exterior is still, the bar, <laughs> is still a jail and a courthouse. What we're saying is that the interiors, they, they finagled with the interiors. And the whole part about the bar is the courthouse. The bar itself is supposed to be the hotel bar. There is no mm-hmm. real hotel bar because the hotel isn't real. The hotel is actually the opera house of the town. Which at uh, twenty nine minutes and eleven seconds of our clip here, you see the words "Opera House" and you can see the gazebo where, uh, where of our of our oh, of our Gobbler's okay. Knob. So that's what
0: I'm trying to. Yeah, I picked up. I, I, yes, yes. I yes. recognized the gazebo, but yeah, I had I had picked up the the Opera House. So that's where the hotel was. Where so stop this
2: was. podcast. Listen to all Groundhog <laughs> Minute, then come back to this podcast, and you'll be caught up. <laughs> God. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like I gotta remind everyone just uh, what, what the hell's going on. Yeah. But uh, no, uh, yeah, it was a very exciting treat to uh, to see a, another town, just uh, reference. And it, and I don't know, are we? Do we? Are we in in canon believing that we're in Wisconsin? That's another level. In this film, I don't think this is supposed to be Woodstock, Illinois. Like it, it could easily have been. I think we're supposed to now be in a Wisconsin town.
0: Like I don't we're. Yeah. Well, cuz yeah, cuz when the car burnt like when the car burnt up, as we said, there was that sign, 102 miles to Chicago. So, you know, assuming we don't know anything about the cut bit about they they, they yeah. drove too far and they missed it, like that's less than a 2-hour drive if we are on I the say to Wisconsin
2: cuz we have a cheese company, right? That's, and Wisconsin does cheese, right? So that means yes. that, yeah, they went too far north. They're in some small, they're in Punxsutawney, Wisconsin now or whatever, whatever <laughs> town we want to fictionalize this as. <laughs> Eau Claire. Yeah.
0: And
2: then. Uh, sure. And so we have, and then they take a, you know, from that, they then, they take that, you know, the, the so, and also the, yeah, we have the, what's it called? The, um, yeah, there's no, it just sucks. There's no, um, what do you call it? There's no, we can't see any uh, license plates. Of any other, the local cars, so we can't yeah, guess yeah. what town this is supposed to be faked as.
0: So I have, a, I have a question. So speaking of the the truck, and once again, it's Dell. Dell is taking care of Neil. He wrangles up this ride. Yes. He gets the truck. Um, and speaking of Wisconsin, so it's a cheese truck. It's Ashkenagen <laughs> is the name on the side truck. Ashkenagen, Right. Is that supposed to be a takeoff on Ashkenazi Jews?
1: Mm. I don't see why it would. Or like I don't. What about Oshkosh? Bogosh? Uh that the yeah, Bogosh? the na- I think that's the name of Oshkosh Wisconsin, I believe is a town in Wisconsin and I believe that's where they make the overalls. This needs to be the overalls. <laughs> the Oshkosh overalls? I may be showing my age. I mean, I know it. So, and
2: I'm 30, so go off of that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm like, you know, just kind of looking up, there is something like an Oshkosh cheese, but specifically the Ashkenagin is really, you know, mainly just bringing up links to this movie and like, you know, stuff related to the movie.
2: Is it like a word? Like, is it, is it like no. a, a northern, you know, northwest, midwest, like phrasing? It means something like... Of like native, native uh, indigenous tribes or something? Like, is it one of those words that kind of carried over?
0: Ashkenazi.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Well, they've you know, got something that like, like ad- 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 indigenous tribes of the, of the, of the, of the, of, the North- of the Northwest had that meant something. And now it's turned into this.
0: There is a Facebook page for Ashkenagin Cheese Company, but there's, there's really nothing there. There's like one person.
1: <laughs> there is an gave yeah, it five stars. There is an Oshkan- you know, like Yeah, that. I think you found. There's an Ashkenagan cheese company, and it's in Dublin, California. Ah, it doesn't. That doesn't it even help us at all. No, it doesn't. That's probably no, named after that the sent movie. Sent us off though. the scent know,
0: completely. Yeah, that's just. Uh, yeah, that's a plan to throw <laughs> us off exactly. Um, oh my gosh, it's Ashkenagan. Um. Yeah. So then that brings us to, uh, really our final bit. So it's, it's, you know, later on day three, but we've actually made it into Chicago. We see the, uh, the, the truck pulling in, we see Neil and, uh, and Dell at the train station. We see, we see Neil getting wistful, kind of reminiscing, thinking about the travels, the, the water under the bridge, over the bridge, through the bridge. Um, He's been through a lot.
3: I mean, you can tell he's 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 sad to see him go, and he's he was happy about his time here. Where I think with the train going back a day, he was just
1: ready to get rid oh, of him. Yeah, Yeah. Neil, you mean? Yeah, uh, Neil. Yeah, this sorry. is going to be my catchphrase for the podcast. But do you mind if I go back just <laughs> just a minute here? Um, did anyone notice Dell has a black eye when he's yes. when he's driving the oh. the. The, the yeah oh, he's that got a black eye. but when he when he when they pull up in the Ashkenazi truck. when he hops out of the truck he's got a black eye. I've always wondered and about then that he doesn't afterwards or yeah I mean, there uh, there's some deleted scenage there for sure holy shit. Uh, yeah back up thirty seconds ten seconds to,
0: yeah. yeah here
3: you go here you go
0: what the oh he's got a shiner this
2: yeah
3: is, this is it this is the
2: Hughes cut the Hughes cut has unless yeah the, At maybe the 29. fight went differently. Yeah. And you see it even what if, better. What if there was a different fight scene where it was a it was an eye punch rather than a gut
3: punch? Here it's really bad. In this right, right here where we're watching.
0: Oh, you think Neil? Right there, right there. Oh, oh wow, yeah. At uh, twenty nine forty one, yeah, you definitely see uh, that. Yeah, there must have been another fight scene between Which Neil makes- and Dell that got cut because then I mean, and then later on it's just gone. Which
2: makes it even weirder if like. Uh, yeah, like, like like if Neil hit him again, he'd be like, Neil, stop being so violent. What if he got in a fight with
1: <laughs> Michael McKeon? <laughs> Not the actor, but like the, the
0: character. The, the, state the trooper the, would the, lock yeah, his butt yeah. up for the holiday.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: so so now that you know that state trooper is that you know his body's frozen in the back of that truck. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe like the maybe that's how he got you know, he like meets this trucker, and he's like, "Oh, can you know, you're oh, you're heading to Chicago? Can you give me my friend a ride?" And he's like, gotta "You got to fight, fight me for it. it." You know, it's like a Fight Club situation. I mean, I,
3: I read that Hughes shot over six hundred thousand feet of film.
0: Yeah, I I, I, didn't, I don't remember a number, but I, a couple different people say like this is the most film that they've shot on yeah. any movie they've worked on. Um, yeah, apparently Hughes just likes to let it run. And this is back in the day where it's not yeah. video. It's actual film that has to yeah. be developed and, and everything. So, uh, yeah, that that adds up. You know, I guess it's uh, it's kind of like what we do for these podcasts. We record for days and days and then uh, <laughs> edit it down to, uh, to just the, the best, the very best of the best. And that's what you, our listener, are getting. So you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> listener. Well, here, the end scene, I mean... Uh, so this is where this it is gets where me. Like, this is like a lot of times when you get to... And, and, you know, I don't know what it is, if it's John Hughes, if it's John Candy, if it's just the combination. A lot of times, you know, I want a comedy to be funny. And when comedies switch it up and they try to start yeah, getting sentimental, yeah. it turns me off and I'm just like, I don't buy it, but... So it's, do you I'm not sure. like any of the Judd Apatow movies? Yeah. They're, they're all right.
3: Because that's kind of the balance of comedy versus. But like
0: this, it's because like, you know, I feel like we've been along with those characters and the evolution, you know, the escalation kind of went, it didn't start at 10. It started at a one and -hmm. then it was three and, you know, Mm -hmm. it slowly ramped up the tension, everything. It brought me along in a natural way. I bought it. And so I get to the end and I'm like, you know, it's, it's like real life. Sometimes you're kidding around and you're having fun. And then sometimes you're not kidding around. You're not laughing. It you know it doesn't feel like a comedy that's trying to be something else. It feels like you know something kind of real that's just different. Situations have different tones. I don't mm-hmm. know what do you what do you guys think? Are you how do you feel about this? You know the way it's heading, the way this ending happens. I think it's I think it's perfect. I mean, it's it's got
3: some drama to it throughout the whole time. I mean, it's not out of left field that there right yeah there, there are touches
0: as we go along. Yeah, and and like you know you were you were saying, Chris. I I get a little clamped <laughs> it was a term you know you know this part of the movie um you know with with you know neil thinking about dell and, and neil thinking this about, right here yeah oh the yeah. look on john candy's face when uh 130
3: is it minute 30 in
0: yeah like 135 no let's see where Wait,
3: are going. we in the next part already well you didn't you didn't bring up the painting
0: yeah so jumping into like the final bit yeah like the
2: the painting of chicago this painting? is not a real
3: image Oh yeah, that's that's. that's
0: oh horrible. yeah. Oh, I thought. Yeah, I
3: mean that's kind of yeah. That looks. I'm trying, trying to
0: figure. I'm trying to figure like it, it looks. Like, I don't know what no, does Chicago I, look
3: like.
2: Could, no. Yeah, it, it looks, looks like a matte painting. Curious, like, why they couldn't pull it off? Like, does Chicago? We can't get a we can't get an aerial shot of Chicago? Like.
1: Well, it's probably the yeah the, right the, here right here the the interstate that they had a permit to shoot on was probably going to Buffalo. Or something like that. So it's like yeah. This so it's like, like yeah. They probably were never actually in yeah. Chicago. But uh, you know, regarding this scene, it I'll tell you what works for me when Steve Martin says, I, I I forget what he's reacting to, but he says a line about basically what they've been through, and he says, "Yeah, I'm a little wiser now too." That, yes. That's yes. such a great little line and a and a great delivery that to me conveys. Sums up the character development for him that, like, mm-hmm. being with this guy that is, let's face it, he's socioeconomically his inferior, right? Because he's this big time marketing guy who you know dresses nicely and everything, and now he's realizing, hey, you know, I can reach out to other human beings and share something real, and and that makes me you know a little better. Um, I, I really love that line, um, and then I. I do that that twist, and it's eleven words, which is uh, I don't mm-hmm. have a home, uh, was it Marie, right? or she died mm-hmm. eight years ago yeah. it, it's it's such a great gut punch twist it makes everything makes sense and 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 I love that you know, he turned around and went and and you know found him at the station. What I hate is the montage i that music, which by the. Oh, it's I, great. I, I wrote the line, um, this music sounds like a major key version of In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> it's
3: I, th- I, think, I think the music, I got, I love that music. I, I, I gotta be honest. Ooh. I really think that that's a great, uh, whatever we want to call it, score, sample yeah. score, whatever it is. Yeah. Okay,
1: fair enough. I do like it. But I, I understand where you're coming I, from. I just, there's something, and I, I just don't know if maybe in the 80s, 80s Chris Frayne would have been watching this and going, "Oh, that's really sad or you know meaningful." But 2018 Chris Frayne watches it and goes, "Oh my god, is this a spoof of an 80s movie where he's having the the flashbacks mm-hmm. with the music?" And at one point, Del, I forget what Dell says, but he says something and it echoes, echoes, echoes. And I thought, all I could think of yeah, was that home. Homer Simpson yeah. in the back of the car. There's there's an episode of Simpsons where Marge is driving off. I think they've had like a really big fight, Homer and Marge, and Homer's like, "I love you, I love you, I love you. Just
3: remember." remember, remember. But that but but that montage is the whole. That's the crux of the whole scene.
1: That's how he figures it all out. Okay, okay here's my thought experiment. Picture he 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 leaves on the train, and you and you see uh-huh. Steve Martin looking wistful, but no flashbacks, right? And he's just looking okay. out the window, and he's like. Uh, and maybe you even see that emotional change come over his face of like, I'm so close to home, but something's wrong, A- and then it okay. gets to the train showing up at the station, and uh, resumes with him walking in and going, Dell, why are you here? You know, why are you still here? And then and then just resume the rest of the movie from that point. I think that would have conveyed enough that. He put it together that something's wrong with Dell, without it being this like I, that. The, it's the flashbacks. I, I just they're so on the nose, or or there's something wrong with me. I don't know. May I? But it, the, yes. Okay.
2: First of all, I did, I didn't see Steve Martin carrying. Uh, where I don't. I couldn't tell where his co- clothes were. Like, is it the gray, like a big gray suitcase? Because he gets on the train. I didn't see where his like clothes suitcase were. So
1: yeah. Yeah, that's a weird continuity error or something. And it's almost like maybe he accidentally left it with Dell's stuff. And that, that could have been something they could have used um where he's like he comes back just to pick up his stuff at the station because he realized he didn't take it with him and Dell's still sitting there. Yeah. That may have been something maybe maybe that was an alternate take. But I noticed that too when I was watching it for the really closely uh, you know, by the minute, um, I was like, "Whoa!" He didn't take any bags on with him under the train.
3: I, I don't without I, without the montage. I I don't I don't know I don't know how it would come yeah. across. I
0: mean, I know I know at the I mean at this point in terms of bags, I assume there's. I, I just assume that Neil lost everything. You know that what bags he had, he lost. in That's the fire. true. I
1: mean, I we don't know about the train, so, but certainly at this. Wait, are you point, saying
2: that he is borrowing? Dell's extra hat and scarf then when they're on their way driving through what we call Wisconsin? Oh, probably. He's got, the, he's got that red yeah.
1: Hunter's hat on or whatever. Because yeah.
2: okay, so it doesn't look like something Neil would wear normally. So that's Dell's extra... So that means even more that Dell's letting him borrow his extra clothes.
1: Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I I don't know. I think it would work if they cut that montage. Yeah, if you just see... You know, kind of Steve Martin or you see Neil looking out the window wistfully, you know, thoughtfully in the train and then cut to Dell sitting in the the train station in the lobby. And then Neil comes in and says, what are you doing here? Um, Or even as it is, I think the, the montage goes on a bit much. It's nice that, you know, they show he's thinking about his wife and his kids. But then there's like. The pie coming out of the oven, the turkey being basted, you know, yeah. like yeah, that
2: that that it, I, it, did, it does go a little bit The reason I'm too defending it me. is because I think that's what makes this a great Thanksgiving movie. Is because when he's mm-hmm. when he's finally like on his way home, he's thinking of surface level things, you know. Oh, I'm happy. You know, obviously, he's happy to see his family because he's a. It's like a point of view of him looking at his kids, and then it's a point of view of what his meal is going to look like, and then his then his brain starts thinking a little deeper about mm-hmm. you know. Uh, of the reality of, of what Dell said, and right. and that's why I'm like this movie should always be played right before you eat you eat Thanksgiving or right right before right after you eat Thanksgiving dinner is uh, is a great reminder of uh, of what to be thankful for it, it, that you know he's he's so happy to be home and eating and he realizes like you know I made a great friend along the way and then I realize like he has nothing to be the only thing he is thankful for is that he met me and I'm abandoning him
1: mm-hmm.
2: and i and I, yeah he deserves to have uh you know he deserves to have a family meal
1: uh this holiday hmm. well let's just take out the echoing then it, it there's something about it just we could it do so we cheesy. could do something with the sound editing
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna yeah I, I won't fight for all the sound editing I just I like the we're, we're It's like we're doing surface level, of subconscious, and then we're going deeper of like the his his heart, his actual yeah. heart. It, he's not salty. He's not vicious anymore. Now his his real his heart of the of the holiday is going. Hey, think about what Dell said, and then and then that's what makes him say, "I got to take a train back. I gotta I gotta get Dell."
3: I think about what what he does. I mean, this whole movie he tries so hard to get back and then circumstances just prevent it. Now he finally is able to get back. and exactly. he, on his own turns exactly. back,
1: yeah. yeah, so close, so close to the end. And yeah. that's and and really, and, and he there's chooses been several points in this film where where Neil has crossed a psychological threshold where he's broken. And you know, in in mm-hmm. the eighteen f words in a minute scene, um, <laughs> that's where he crossed from even having the the veneer of civility, you know, yeah. to just unloading on the situation. Um, and then with the car blowing up, it was that I can't believe how absurd this has become. And and that really is where he starts to go with the flow, I think. Um once once the car is on fire and he's like, you know, this is so absurd. I'm just and right. I think at each one of those points That's the,
0: the it's the point of surrender yes. where it's like this has just gone too yes. far. I, I can't even at this point. Well, it's like it's like that scene, you're going the wrong yeah. way. You're going.
1: You're going the and wrong I think way. At each of those junctures he's getting he's he's bonding now with with Dell because he's letting go of that mm. pretense of the only thing that matters is that I get home by Wednesday night, you know, or Thursday morning. And and now it's more just like, I I just want to survive. And, um, and, and this, this person with me, it's like a combat experience with, you know, you hear about guys in combat who barely know each other and then they bond very quickly, um, because they're both trying to survive an absurd situation. And, and I think, you know, in, in this, in this moment, he he is he has met all of those points of surrender, yeah, and and now he's like, oh, I can't turn my back on this guy,
2: yeah. And then yeah, it, in our clip, our four minutes and twenty five second clip here, just him, like he kind of he knew something was wrong, and then that's like the 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 shame and also the yep, I thought something was off, of just yeah. realizing yeah. that yeah, Dell has yeah. nowhere to go, and then now Dell's going somewhere else right. alone just to escape the holiday.
1: I guess I'm just of the opinion that I think Steve Martin as an actor could could carry that off with just a look on his face. Yeah. Rather than what, rather than having a montage about it.
2: Once again, the Hughes cut could have had it too. We, you know, they could have filmed it like 10 different ways of him realizing it. And the, the, maybe the studio went, Oh, we like the
1: montage. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That may Maybe a, a studio thing. Um, now, I want to I jump ahead a little bit. So when they actually get home, when Neil's coming in and the daughter opens the door, Daddy, Neil opens the door. He kneels down to hug his daughter. And the older son behind him, what the heck is that kid wearing? What kind of demented person? <laughs> he's like, is that, is that a knicker? Like He's, he's wearing shorts to the knee. He's got a bow tie with suspenders and he's got, you know, socks pulled up, socks up to the knee, pants that only go down to the knee. Is this kid from like Oliver Twist? Like who <laughs> dresses a child like that in, you know, even the 1980s? I mean, I know this is we're talking 30 years ago, but come on, we're not talking right. 300 years well, ago.
1: It's the it's the Norman Rockwell style of yeah. dressing for a holiday. I mean, they're specifically dressing their kids anachronistically if if that's a word Um, and and (laughs) just because they can't because all the adults are dressed like normal people people. one of the things though that you'll notice in this scene and anything that's portraying people at the holidays particularly upper middle class people is they'll never have like branded clothing on it's always very Mm -hmm. tasteful again it'll be something that's like there's that Um, we're starting to realize now that like all our ideas of what Christmas are were actually created in like the 1880s. Mm -hmm. You know, that that there was a specific Mm -hmm. branding that was done to sell Americans on Christmas. And it all draws from, from that, the imagery of that time. And I think that's just a visual thing. Like if the kid had on a Nike track jacket, it wouldn't have that same like oh it's Thanksgiving, whereas chances are if I you right. know if I go home for Thanksgiving there'll be a kid wearing a Nike track jacket, yeah. <laughs> so yeah this this is this is a little I mean, more it could timeless be, you sleeping, know it could be like a Bears jersey or, or Bears something jersey, right, you know it could right.
0: be like you know like like the kid in uh, Princess right. Bride or something you know, it could be wearing something like that like it. It doesn't have to be like knickers and a bow tie. <laughs> Come oh. on. Like,
2: how, how about how about this uh, show? What if I what if I bring this uh, up? Just, so I'm just saying, we have we. I like I first lo- of I, I, little, like I love happening. them marching straight up the street with. The, I think that's a beautiful shot. And when we get to right before mm-hmm. they open the door, we have the shot, and I think it's amazing to kind of look in the windows of the house as kind of a foreshadow of how nice his house is. How. You can see in the left windows we have the nice lamps, the nice the nice curtains and blinds in the couch. On the right, we have a china set in the in on the shelf and display. And it really just shows you mm-hmm. how beautiful his house is and how on display it is. Um, yeah, right. And it's and, a big house. And like, I think the one thing I get the vibe of watching it is like this is the de- this is the same neighborhood as Home Alone. Like, and I don't even mean yeah. like. Oh, and Uncle Buck. And Uncle, B- yeah. And I don't even mean like. And yeah. Ferris Bueller. Yeah. I, I don't even mean like. Um, I mean like in universe. Like I mean like around this corner yeah. Yeah. is the yeah. like Callister oh, yes, House. It's yes. somewhere out there in Western Pennsylvania. Is the Polka King? Like this is in universe, totally.
1: Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh yeah. It looks no like down, Uncle down. Buck. And in fact, the movie ends uh, with John Candy doing that that tight-lipped grin in the doorway there, just like uncle buck it's it's sort of the the john the late era john hughes averse <laughs> um, yes this house is is firmly part of that
0: uh so we're kind of getting towards the end So i want to know is it just me or is like neil's wife super creepy in this bit like yeah like before yeah. when he was so many notes about that when he like when he called home on the first day and they're talking like she's normal, but maybe it's because she doesn't speak and maybe she's just not as good an actress as you know, with the face as uh you know, you know, it's Steve Martin and John Candy are but like I don't know, she seems really creepy to yeah. me. Yeah. Like why is she like is she crying out of joy in that shot? I would I would think it would it would be joy, but I mean, because she should just just say, oh, I'm so glad. Like, just say something.
3: Because let's just be speak. honest here. And I talked about this back in day one. Yeah. W- what, what are we really talking about? OK, he's got to make it back for Thanksgiving. I mean, he's not like in a hospital somewhere. They're just a little little right. sidetracked right
0: now. Right. Well, and it is it, it's 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 a completely artificial construct where it's. You know, this isn't like there's a bomb going off yeah. or like we need your kidneys. He's for not in the military like, oh, am I going to make it back for yeah, Thanksgiving? He's what just, happens if he doesn't get home till Friday? Oh, you miss Thanksgiving. Not for this one. No, you're right. She, and she All seems right. kind of
2: plain. Is that the word I'm looking for? Like, I don't know. You're right that that she is so silent. And it, I mean, he couldn't call her. He wanted to yeah. call her, but he couldn't because he didn't have the coins for the phone. Yeah. Yeah. So, and there's that shot of her that we saw earlier where she was in bed looking, I'm guessing, at the phone or something and sad and quiet. So, yeah, it's like, was she not expecting him at all to come back? Like,
0: did they think he was dead? Like, I don't. Yeah. Again, he's not coming back from war.
1: Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Okay. So her reaction, and I'm sure you talked about this in, in days one and two. But her reaction to when they when she does get to talk to him is so strange because she almost seems annoyed with him, and it's it's not even I I read it not as, not as concern but almost annoyance like oh you're pulling this again you're not coming home for Thanksgiving or something I uh-huh. I mentioned that I actually mentioned that he was having problems at the house. Right. But still, like, I mean, my wife travels a lot for her work. And if if I get a call from her, it doesn't matter if it's a holiday. Now, this might be different because we don't have kids. But if she calls me and says, oh, my flight got delayed in Dallas, you know, I'm not. And and this happens a lot, by the way. And I'm not like, oh, here we go again. You know, I'm not I'm not I'm not angry. I'm just like, okay, cool. Well, whenever I see you, I see you. It's not. You know, not a big yeah. deal. Now, granted, there th- you're, you're sympathetic to exactly. her situation, and, not and my biggest concern is, you know, just be safe. You know, especially if there's driving yeah. involved. I'm like, you pull, up, find some place to pull over. You know, don't don't rush it on my behalf. Whereas there's, you know, the scene earlier where like the little girl, his daughter's on stage, and she says, "Oh, I'm happy my father's coming home for Thanksgiving," which puts this like guilt. On him, like it—it it, it mm-hmm. seems like he's getting guilt from his family for not being home. It, uh, maybe I'm reading this yeah, wrong, and it, but it, right. it's—it's just—and then combined with her non-reaction, her very quiet reaction when he finally walks in, and then when she looks yeah. at Dell and is like, "Nice to meet you," or whatever. And it's so <laughs> strange. Yeah, yeah, it's such it's, a strange performance. I'm gonna chalk it up to you know, maybe John Hughes did not know how to direct her or or didn't know what he wanted out of her. Um,
0: Yeah, we we, we talked about a little bit, I think it was day one where it seemed like it, it wasn't just inconvenience. It wasn't just, oh, I'd rather, you know, if I had a choice between being home and not being home, I'd rather be home. There seemed to be a little bit something more. And we were wondering if, you know, maybe it's Neil just, you know, he's missed a lot of the big events. And I, and I think that the scene you mentioned, Chris, about the, you know, the, the Thanksgiving play or whatever at school right. where, you know, that she mentions, oh, I'm thankful my daddy's coming home. They're like, he spends too much time on the yeah. road and he's late. You know, he misses a lot of things. Like he says he's going to be there and then ends up missing it. And like he's really trying to change. So this isn't a one time thing of, oh, you know, hey, it snowed. It's not his fault that the flight got, yeah. you know, um, rerouted. It's, you know, this is just one more thing in a chain of sure. he, there's always a delay. There's always something else going on. And he's, he's trying to show that he's changed. And that's why it's so yeah, imperative that, really, that he make it, it it's home. It's like,
1: we have to put that together. We have to work a lot to put that together in our minds. Yeah. I mean,
0: the, the evidence for that is yeah. very light. You know, it is just one or two things and it kind of, we have to make some assumptions. And I think, I think our original discussion, we kind of ended up where, like, I mean, that's a bit of a stretch. Um, I mean, the the body and the, 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 the trunk, that's canon. But, <laughs> but, you know, Neil's history. But, you know, so maybe it, it, though, it, 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 maybe that explains a little bit more of the reaction where initially, you know, five minutes before this final scene, when we see them walking up the street, the seat inside the house is you know just the quiet resolution he's of coming. he's he's not coming. He's gonna let us down again, he's missing but another as, as one. If, and then when she sees him well, i when she sees him, she sees, oh, he hasn't been he hasn't been working the past two days, or he hasn't even been on vacation the past two days. Like he looks like, oh, he really has been yeah. through hack trying to get but, home.
1: Yeah. And it's I under I understand know, that I, I conflict. Know. If it's his Uh, choice to, you know, be a workaholic or something and, and miss things. But it's like, if he's got this job and they send him to New York and on the way back from New York, there's snow and it delays, you know, it throws everything into chaos. That's not his choice. You should be happy. He's home and not in a creepy way. So,
0: Yeah, but it could be, you know, it, it was his choice to accept an assignment that involved travel two days before a family holiday. And then you say, well, gee, if he doesn't take the assignment, right. they fire him. Well, then it's and then she may come back and say, well, get another job that doesn't involve travel. And they'll say, well, listen, we live in Chicago. I am in advertising. I have all these clients that are in New York. So the choice is I don't have a job or I travel or we move to New York. What do you want to do? well, the kids are at school, we can't move. And yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I mean, there's there's a lot of things that could be happening. And I, I, yeah, I just, I don't, I have a lot of questions that it seems like I have to do a lot for, for the wife's reaction in this very last minute (laughs) to work. I got to do a lot of contorting. I got to put a lot of myself into the situation to make her reaction make sense. But I'm, you know, I will do a lot of work, but that's too much. So I'm just gonna say, it's she's creepy. Crazy.
3: Yeah, for, you know, it's just a weird performance. Just, I, it could be nothing more than just. Here's here's she's not all, that right, all right. right. I, I I've
2: heard all, I've heard both sides here. Um, um,
0: Judge Judge Judge, <laughs> Judge Palace will now offer his. <laughs> now
2: rule. I I will agree. I, I agree. Everything about the, this final scene. There's the lack of dialogue and the lack of real i don't know the end it's like the ending happened back at the train station or something like when or the ending really happened when Mm -hmm. they're walking to the house like this part's not really much of an ending because he's making it back um and the fact that him and dell are definitely friends now um that's not that's that's pretty much where the movie really ends because it's like that's that's the real story here i feel it's it's less about the family it's more about these two I feel like maybe the the the, uh, the, the only f- I was thinking of a film that you know we said this film seems to do so many things that other films homo- homage back to, and uh, one film that came to me that I think answers the why isn't he home more and why he's neglecting his family because you're right it's like the difference is he can go technically to his home because he has a home Dell doesn't have a home he has a home and he's neglecting his home for his job, I think a movie that does it better is probably Jingle All the Way, because a Jingle All the Way. He, Schwarzenegger's ah, character is ignoring his family for his job a lot, and there's moments where he's is like he's going because there's a part where like um he 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 I think he stays later, and he now he has to rush to his kid's recital, and he rushes, and that's when he gets into the police. So it's like, oh well, he got pulled over by the police, but if he gave himself more time away from his job, he didn't have to rush at ninety miles per hour to try and make it back home, and then get pulled over for a ticket, and then never make it to his kids recital and then if he listened to his family more he wouldn't be rushing the day before christmas to get the the turbo man action figure um so we have the similarities there of like job over family but at least in jingle all the way he actually has that that little monologue to his kid like when he's wearing the turbo man outfit where he says you know uh something about i forget other words but essentially it's like you know you're I it wasn't the Turbo Man that like was important to me. It was you who was important to me. Like, you know, you're Turbo Man to me. It was like his kid his kid mm-hmm. just said Turbo Man because it was just like this guy, I could look to this guy on television and see him do heroic things. I just want to see that in my own father, because he's away so many times. Because he sees his job more than me. Um so and then and then you I don't know if you have a real comparison between Dell and Sinbad's character because they both had families but the the the, <laughs> c- the comparison was that they're both too True, married yeah. to the job he's married to being I think he was an advertising guy and then the other was he's he's a postal worker and it's like they both were away from their kids and they thought the toy was what their kid wanted so. I feel like <laughs> I could I feel like that's um they maybe maybe Jingle All The Way did a better job of of getting that better the man needs to see his family more than his own job because that's what's really important to to stuff.
0: Wow. That that is a phrase I did not think I would ever hear. Jingle All The Way does a better
2: job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not honestly a bad movie. I think it's an honest to God good holiday film because of that ending. Yeah, yeah, and also a, you get to see, see Phil movie. Hartman. Like you know, you don't get many much more Phil Hartman. Yeah, you, know, you get uh, to get to play. Yeah. Him. You get to right see too. him play the bad guy. You know, uh, he's or a sort of bad guy. He plays yeah. a secondary antagonist, but the wife she slugs him. I remember.
0: And so that that brings us That's, to uh, yeah the end of the movie. That's it. Uh, roll credits. Um, now, we do get there is a, in John Hughes fashion, just like he's done in other movies like Ferris mm-hmm. Bueller's Day Off, there post-credit is a credits, yeah. uh, little post-credit scene, you know. So, uh, once again, the man is getting ripped off, this time by Marvel, who, who jumps on this bandwagon. Right. But we uh, we go back to Bryant's office. I assume this is Thanksgiving. This is, you know, the same day Thursday. There's a turkey on the table. There's, you know, cups. There's an ashtray that's overflowing, And he's still looking at.
2: I I, since I I forgot about the early parts of the film. Walk me through this joke, because yeah, I'm (laughs) like, uh, I'm missing this. I'm missing the setup on this.
0: Flashback to day one. the 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 movie starts with it's uh, it's Neil and the father from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It's it's Mr. Bueller. Is uh, they're sitting in this conference room? Is that
2: in universe? By the way, do you believe that's in universe?
0: Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good. We've determined universe. that. Yeah, Neil's business partner, whatever, okay, good, good. is like Ferris Thank Bueller's you. father. Yeah. So it's yeah. So it's Mr. Bueller. I don't know his first name. And uh, Neil, they're sitting there. They're pitching these. Uh, it looks like it's lipstick or some cosmetic advertisement to uh, Bryant. This guy, Neil's like tapping his watch. He's got a plane to catch. And, and this guy, he doesn't have any lines. He mm, just looks. Buddy. He looks at the pictures. He looks mm. at one, the other. He looks up. He looks like he's going to say something. Okay. And then he looks back at the pictures. Yeah. And he just, you know, he can't make a decision. And then finally, after, you know, finally that scene's end, it shows Neil and uh, Bueller walking towards the elevator saying, um, you know, I can't believe he hasn't made a decision. We'll have to meet again after the holiday. And then Mr. Bueller says, you'll never make the six o'clock as, uh. As Neil rushes out to catch a plane. Yeah. So this is a, you know, kind of call back to uh, the, the very beginning of the film. And it shows this. So this guy needs, he needs a Dell in his life. He needs his own personal Dell Griffith to say, you know, what are you doing? Where are your priorities? You need to get home. You shouldn't be in the office on Thanksgiving. And who, get, who delivers the guy a whole turkey? He's one guy. There's a whole turkey sitting on that table. <laughs>
2: Well, that, yeah, I, I'm Watch guessing this candy. is uh, this is kind of like a uh, the worst case scenario. This is what Neil could become is a guy who just sits there for days yeah. on his work. Right. It, it, he has no family. He has no friends. Yeah. The, this, this job about lipstick uh, is so important to him that, yeah, the office is just like, oh, my God. It's like, just, I don't know, send him the turkey and they just send him the whole mm-hmm. meal up there. Or he or he just says that it's like, Oh, it's Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah. He's like, Alright, send it up. And he just you know? And I bet you that plate that doesn't even look touched. So someone not only do they bring the, the plate up, someone cut a piece of turkey, they cut up a couple of scoops of sweet potato and yams. They got uh, it looks like maybe Brussels sprouts on the far right. Uh, stuffing in the center gravy and mashed potatoes and they just set the plate even closer to him like sir you should eat and he's still doing the you know poster to poster looking at so he hasn't even touched the food so this could all be cold at this point this could be like late in the afternoon and he's just sat in that conference for days
0: yeah yeah so this is you know this is like the, the ghost of uh, yeah of Neil Page future you know this is where he mm-hmm. could, he could be if he doesn't watch himself
1: Can we talk about the the credit music? It's so
0: absolutely yeah. So yeah, anything else you want to talk about? Credits are uh, are game. Yeah,
1: (laughs) the credit music is so bad. Um, I wrote it's bat dance meets dragnet rap. If if you're oh, you're talking about the city city Um, uh, or the city of crime or whatever. (laughs) No, I thought it's the song when he's walking through the airport. Yeah, yeah, but it's got like the really. It's it's. In the in the mid 80s white people like discovered rap you know as, yeah. and so they were trying to like oh we'll just you know and it's these guys that are like 40 years old studio musicians who are like
0: oh yeah so no not not the this sounds, not the every time oh, no, you go no 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 like no that you, part but the other part where they like yeah they kind of like, mix like, in some this no, sounds like a, that's a that's poor that's man's
2: right. take my breath away. That's how I hear it. I hear this. Huh? I, I'm waiting to go, take my breath away. Bom, bom, bom. I told, I, I, I'm waiting for that to happen. I think wow. we're talking about oh, We are. We are. I'm just saying, music, but if I could okay, go a minute man. back in the credits of yeah. the song. <laughs> but that's, so. But yeah, go to your rap, uh, please. Oh, no. No, I'm just saying, it's yeah,
1: so it, bad. Yeah. It's yeah, no, I, so I agree. Yeah. And it, it, you know, where it's like, I'm Del. Del Griffith. Del Del, yeah, it, it's it yeah, instantly, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you there. The film. <laughs> um, oh, by the way, every time you go away, written by. I think we have one Philadelphia person on the on the I'm podcast. Close right? enough. Well, I know it
0: was originally recorded Paul by Young? Paul Young, but I don't know it's if written by Daryl Hall. Is it?
1: Oh, and there you go. Once you know that, it's kind of like once you know that Bruce Springsteen wrote blinded by the light you can never stop picturing <laughs> yeah. him singing it every time i, well, I now, hear did he... every time you go away i picture carol hmm. hall singing it did he, has he yes. ever
0: recorded it i think did they he did a lot, like okay. Notes
1: did a live version of it that i've heard that's astounding um i'll yeah. have to check that out Wait, I, yeah. um, I know that
2: so this this rap song it's um it's the what's the one that the music video we're talking about the the this, where it's all animatronic stuff right that's what we're talking about the rap the rap part of the I'm going back to the rap now. Was it Rocket?
0: Uh, Herbie that. Hancock, right? Oh the yes. Herbie Hancock okay. song. Yeah, which,
1: yeah is, rocket. which is Oh yeah. No, so this a poor oh, oh, yeah, no, oh, yeah, yes. version of that. Oh of course. Of course. Yeah. That's a, so I'm saying a very poor man. I'm sorry, <laughs> yeah. but then, I'm then, concerned then, this man so whole, poor. You know, uh
2: his his uh his as a poor man's take my breath away and this is a poor man's rocket. That's how I'm hearing these. They're like, ah, oh, the budget, just, ah, uh, we couldn't get it, but we got this, you know, you know, we don't, we don't have, uh, we don't have ready, ready mix pudding or, you know, whatever it is. We don't have right. jello. We have ready oh, mix. Right. And they couldn't get, they couldn't yeah, get yeah. Harold it, Faltemeyer. Oh,
1: there you go. It's so like, yeah. You know, got a guy who yeah. sort of do Harold Faltemeyer type music. And yeah, it's just, oh man, I had to turn the sound down. It just hurt my ear. <laughs>
2: it's, it's, it's definitely, uh-huh. it's definitely poor man's Herbie <laughs> Hancock mixed with a Beverly Hills Cop beat.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Doo yeah, doo for sure. yeah. <laughs> Axel Foley.
0: <laughs> yeah. They, it, yeah. It's a, a poor man's Axel Foley. Um, I think that's that's closer than that. Honestly, Axel if you take this song
2: and you yeah. put it, like, you could have Eddie Murphy Rock sneaking it. around, you could set the song to it, and it would make more sense in the Beverly Hills Cop universe than it would here.
0: Well, yeah. And it makes. It, it, like, there's no. There's no scene that fits that fits that music. Yeah. There's no other music up to this point. Well, it's in the airport scene when he when he oh, marches
1: in. Yeah, when he works. walks across the. To it's the, that the whole song after oh. he's right. fallen down yeah. the okay. snow hill and you know he's he's yeah he's like
0: well they know so it's that it's 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 from the movie it's perfect it's from that one of the best scenes of the the film yeah. the <laughs> music's great I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about <laughs> uh. and then. The, right, the third so, song. Yeah. What's the third so song that's called? It. So that's the movie.
2: Because it sound the third song when we're at our our ten minute like thirty second mark.
0: And there's another song. Oh, uh, this is because
2: uh, this, this is poor. Um, this is poor man's promise. um. What's that? What that song? I'm thinking of. You're not listening me. Come on, what? Who does that song? That's what this third song in the credits sounds like.
1: Well, I'm dying over here. Um, I thought I knew my 80s music. Are you thinking no, of Walk of Life from uh, oh, Dire God. Straits? It's
3: like, uh, you're
2: going to crash. You're going to shut, shut your mouth. Not... Come on. This is, I think it's a 90s song, maybe. I Maybe. Oh, God damn it. Come on. I'm gotta look <laughs> i looking up.
0: Uh, okay. L- Listener, maybe you could in... have to help us out there. Just give
1: me a hot second. I have no idea what he's talking about.
2: Find him. A... It's gonna it's an earworm now to Is me. Is it the one that kinda sounds like a... okay, it's it's Crash by the primitives. Bring it up. Released in nineteen eighty eight, so here you go way too fast.
3: Don't slow down you're gonna crash. She don't know what's been going down. You've been running all up time, so shut should jump back. I don't hear it. I don't I don't see the connection.
2: Alright. Alright, fine.
3: No, I don't. I don't know. All
2: right, fine. We we'll just have hope, to. Agree hopefully, on that somebody one. the audience agrees. Really if I get one person, I'll be happy. Because right now, it's my brain's just going, "Yeah, this is similar."
0: Right. They are it's, music. Okay, fine. They're both music. They are musics. <laughs> they are. So I just I want to thank uh, Chris and Dave for for joining us for um, making us through this really a, a day plus because we had you come in late in day two, so you've really done extra duty here, and we are thankful. Yes, uh, that you came, listeners. We're thankful that you listened. I hope if you're um, if you celebrate Thanksgiving, you have a good one. If you don't, have a good one anyway. I'll, so uh, you know, yes. so Chris, if if people want to hear more from uh, you, and I'm sure they do, I, <laughs> where can they find you? Let uh, them know. So
1: <laughs> myself and my friend Rudy, we host a podcast. It's a movie by minute podcast. I bet there are a lot of fans of that genre here. And uh, we cover 2001: A Space Odyssey, which is celebrating its 50th anniversary this year. And that podcast is called mm, "Open yeah. the Podcast Doors, Hal." So if you go to iTunes or Google Play or any of any of the major and minor podcast catchers, and you type in "Open the Podcast Doors, Hal," you'll find that. And uh, we also run an Instagram feed that's sort of like the visual companion. So each episode that goes up, I'll put up some some pretty pictures about it. Um, And that's uh, open the podcast doors, Hal on Instagram. And uh, yeah, that's what we do.
0: Yeah, that's the sign of a great podcast. If you have a pun uh you know based on the movie or the movie title in the title of your podcast you know you're in for a good time so it's it's a great movie a really interesting movie it, you know in terms of the movie itself and the you know the making of the background story and everything so that's a great Thank podcast open the podcast doors how? um yes yeah, so i recommend people check that out and i mean of course everyone Knows our friend, friend to all band, great and tall and short and, and whatever, all sizes, uh, Dave Palace. But just in case someone has been in a coma for the last 50 years, they just woke up and they're like, where do I find Dave Palace? I need to know. It's I dad. just want to say Let know that Dave.
2: Crash the Primitives, <laughs> is because it's a Dumb and Dumber, which as a, as a, as a young 30s man up in the 90s, that song was very influential during Dumb and Dumber, which I believe is a spiritual sequel to Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. As a buddy, as a, as a road trip comedy, I just want to say that. Okay, yes, five minutes of mystery where we talk about mystery men, and then a Groundhog Minute where Sean and I uh, covered uh, Groundhog Day one minute at a time.
0: You know, Brian, we haven't we haven't talked about you much. Yes, yes. What's going on for you? You know, people want to hear more of your you know insightful opinions and, and whatnot.
3: Uh, well, that's that's still to be determined right. of where to find me, where to locate me. TV Parts did. unknown right now. Parts
0: unknown. Just- Man of Mystery. But
3: perhaps when this is ready to go, uh, there'll be something. All
0: right. Yeah. We'll leave it open in for now, perhaps. But uh, uh, as always, you can... Well, not as always, but as of now, you can find me at... Um, well, go, go to catandsean.org, C-A-T-A-N-D-S-E-A-N.org. And uh, I'll have... There I have links to all my podcast stuff. I'll have links to... This day, the play trains and automobiles uh, link back to the National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation days from last year. Link to the great podcast with my buddy Dave Palace, the Groundhog Minute, the uh, the Spinal Tap Minute. All my guest appearances, podcast, whatever I do, if I'm talking about it in a podcast, I'm linking to it on that site. So uh, that's that's the, that's the place to go. So you know, keep an eye there, and otherwise, uh, we'll see you around the cardboard corner whatever it doesn't matter <laughs> you can't do that <laughs> uh, no I can't alright I didn't, uh, uh, Rob started it he did that the last day the last episode all right, fine, he, fine, he wrapped that's it up official. with that so I'm like alright it works <laughs> he's, he's taking right, listeners, you gotta, now go you back to Dave to Made a Minute Podcast
2: watch and listen <laughs> to all of that and then come back to this moment and then you'll understand that reference <laughs> We need like a
0: machete order. Yeah. To like tell people this is the order you need to listen to all these podcasts.
2: Oh, no, I don't wanna I don't want to be the guy who has to 20 years from now they're compiling the MXM wiki.
0: Woof. Woof. Alright. So, listeners, thank you again for listening. Have a good Thanksgiving. And uh, we'll see you when we see you. Yes. There you go. Hello, listeners. It's Sean here. And I just wanted to say once again that one of the things I'm thankful for uh, this year on Thanksgiving is all of you. So thank you for listening. And to show our appreciation, we're doing a bonus episode. So stick around for tomorrow where we'll have a deleted scene from Planes, Trains, and Automobile Days. And also want to let you know if you want to give us some feedback. Give us uh, your opinion of uh, this great movie or tell us about some of your favorite Thanksgiving movies. We have a Facebook group. It's the NLCVD Jelly of the Month Club. As you can tell, that's, uh, that's left over from the National Lampoon's Christmas vacation days we did last year with, uh, with our friends, Christopher, Dennis, DeGuardi, and Pete Marmart. Um, so we've repurposed the group for, uh, for this year's movie, planes, trains, and automobiles. So, uh, so, stop on by uh, the, the Facebook group. Let us know uh, what you think. And again, stick around for that bonus episode coming tomorrow here at Planes, Trains, and Automobile Days.